Welcome to Top 5 Comics, show about talk, comics, and other pop culture things. Today's episode featuring Curtis. Hello. Featuring Ross. How's it going? Special guest, Mike. Oi. And, of course, our chief programmer, Steve. Hi. Also featuring Rob. Hey, hello. <laughs> it's Rob. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to talk about uh, Animal Man and Swamp Thing, both number 17s and probably number 16s. Uh, the answer, number one. Uh, revival, uh, hard to tell which numbers, but probably a bunch of them. And then Batman 17, and we'll talk a little bit about Legend of the Shadow Clan, uh, number one. Uh, so we want to start today with... Uh, uh, what book are you holding, Ross? Batman. Damn it. Let's do Swamp Thing 17 uh, for the first one. So, Rob, you want to talk about the cover a little bit or something? Okay. Um, let's go ahead and do a little bit of pre-up. Uh, of course, once again, we're going to be... This is a new issue, so if you haven't read Swamp Thing 17, we'll probably spoil some things for you. So, go check it out first. But, um... The way that we're doing Swamp Thing in the New 52 is pretty unique. They chose to keep the character Alistair Hollis as he was originally Swamp Thing. So he basically died in the Swamp Thing and moved in and controlled him. When he gets uh, a second chance at life at the beginning of the New 52, he and Swamp Thing have to merge together as more of a actual unit. And so this is the first time we're actually seeing Alistair as... Swamp Thing, and they're both living, and they both can make their own choices. I th I think you mean Alec Holland is Swamp Thing. Yes, I believe that is correct. And uh, I stand I stand corrected on that. I must have been saying that wrong. I Alan Holland. Alec Holland. Alec Holland. Shoot. Failure. <laughs> Moving on. Um, his story at this point has led him to chase after something called a rot. Um, and began a whole arc called um, Rot World. Basically, the idea for Swamp Thing and Animal Man is that there is an entire like element that is governed by the green, the red, and the black. The green covers most natural life. The red covers uh, living or human tissue and animal tissue. And the rot is supposed to govern uh, decay and, cor and corruption. There's supposed to be a balance between all three of these elements. And each of the elements actually chooses its own champion. In this case, Swamp Thing is going to be the champion of the green. Um, in the story Rot World, they've, uh, both he and Animal Man have been removed from the DC continuity for about ten years. And everything has fallen apart. And that's kind of where we're at in Rot World. So, Just as like a thing, the... Uh... <sighs> Animal Man and Swamp Thing pretty much run parallel. Like, even from issue one forward, like, all the time. As far as books, you can read one and not read the other. But if you read both of them, you get the full picture. Uh, they're very much two sides of the same coin. Yeah, you're okay with just one, but when Raw World starts, it's really more important because they basically are chapter to chapter to chapter. But as far as the book's concerned, from the beginning, they both ran really parallel. Uh, as far as, like, books are concerned. They do have more of a horror feel to them. Um, 
back probably like five years ago, these would be Vertigo books. Uh, but the way they're set up right now, they're they're considered current continuity. And uh, as far as books are concerned, like both Swamp Thing and Animal Man are actually great. Uh, I know after that whole uh, Bryce Day ending that we kind of had distaste in our mouth for the for one of them. But as far as the setup is concerned, like both books are actually really good. Um, as far as books are concerned, if you read both of them, then at that point you have like a way more clear picture of what's happening in the series. So, what we're doing in Swamp Thing as we come up to 17 is that um, Swamp Thing has traveled across this kind of rot-infested land. He's managed to make his way all the way to Gotham. And actually, there were some great, great points in there, including seeing um, the kid that we've uh, encountered earlier in the series, Arcane, who is the knight for the black, his uh, his niece, or his nephew, I'm sorry, who is now controlling what he's calling the Dead Sea, who actually has Aquaman's Triton, which was awesome. Did you notice that? I didn't see that, actually. Yeah. He actually rises up out of the deep on what he calls Starro, and he's wielding Aquaman's Triton. So the star awesome. We assume the we didn't we didn't, Starro? we didn't get to see the central eye, but he calls it Starro. Huh. So so all we can guess is that it's Starro from space that controls everybody's mind. No underwater. Uh, well, but it's, it's, Rot, it's Rot's version. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so this is after the whole Rot world. Rot's taken over yeah. almost everything. Okay. Like as far as the world's concerned, like everything's very disheveled from what we normally experience. Um, I just want to say in this uh, issue 17, we get to deal with Barbara Gordon a lot, and she looks fantastic. Well, she, actually, in 16, she looks great. 17. Oh, so yeah, 17 is questionable. My bad. Art on 17, questionable. Uh, art on 16, we're talking about Swamp Thing. Animal Man 17 is fine. Uh, but, yeah, uh, as far as Swamp Thing 16, she looks awesome. Like, she looks great. It's Bart Girl Barbara? It's Bart Girl Barbara. Yeah, it's awesome. <clears throat> she, Yeah, she just looks great. Well, Swamp Thing, um, we have a much smaller cast of characters that he gets to hang around with. In the end, it, it starts with Dead Man, who winds up giving up his life to stop the uh, Arcane's uh, nephew, the one who has Aquaman's trident. Mm -hmm. Evidently, he already knew that if he possessed him, it would be the end of both of them. And so he kind of gives up his life for that. Um, it's pretty quickly after that point he gets to Gotham and he finds a completely corrupted Bruce uh, or Batman who attacks him and that's when we find Barbara and Barbara has been saved from this corruption by taking in an injection of the man-bat formula so she actually gained a portion of the red which allowed her to not be corrupted Batman, she wanted Batman to take it, and Bruce was already infected, so he he made her take it instead. So she's reluctantly where she's at, um, but she does have Batman basically chained up, um, well captured for the most part, in case there's ever a cure. And Bat's been working on trying to fix it for a while, which you know that's how things get fixed usually if Batman fixes them, ultimately. But as far as setup is concerned, like I said, she looks really sexy. <laughs> that's all that's important, all right? They do actually go from there to another great part, which is um, what they're calling New Gotham. Which New Gotham basically winds up being Arkham's uh, asylum that's been kind of blocked off from the rest of the world. Uh, there, Batman is working on 
recreating Alistair Hollis's old formula to rejuvenate the Earth. And in doing so, he's actually combined it with Bane's steroids, his venom. So you kind of get, like, Alistair's formula on steroids. Uh, Bruce is trying to create this to bring the green back to the world so he can actually fight against the, the rot. But he doesn't have all the components that he needs. And, of course, he becomes infected before he finishes it. So uh, we wind up having a little bit of a race against time for Swamp Thing to kind of create the formula again. In doing so, he winds up filling up one of Batman's final weapons, which winds up being a pretty B.A. Bat-robot full of um, Swamp Thing's uh, rejuvenant serum. Along with that, they were able to weaponize those into guns so that most of the people of New, Metropolis, or New uh, Gotham could actually fight back against the rot, which has infected not only just regular people, but pretty much every superhero that didn't have a connection to the the green or the red. So, so this falls out of 52 it's, continuity, kind of? It's its own world? You would be correct, sir. It's, um, it's actually 10 years... In the future. Into the future. From now. It's kind of like an alternate timeline. Of Has like, it been that way the happened. whole series? Mm, no. It actually it, it starts that way in issue twelve. Um, they jumped into a wormhole to chase Arcane. Arcane. Mm-hmm. Right. That's correct. Um, but it was a trap. Okay. They got stuck there, and where it's ten years in the future, the Roth has already won, for the most part. Okay, so they're still battling. So they're the like Roth, the really. resistance. I really like the, the extra heroes that they decide to put in with that, too. Like, Steel as a robot, and uh, Beast Boy. And do they have the Atom? That's all I care about. They do have Frankenstein, though. Where did That's they good find too. the Green Lantern? Um, that actually... All those extra characters appear in Animal Man, which we'll talk about next. This is what we meant by the they two of them fit together, like, without... Do. One, you kind of miss the other. So. Just Swamp Thing did have his own people, too. He had Dead Man and mm-hmm. Black Orchid. And well, Black Orchid's Animal Man, too. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was at least three of them. That was Swamp Thing, too. Like dark, too. Where she turned into kind of like a, a, a Swamp Thing creature. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, she has uh, evidently a connection <laughs> to the rot. Hmm. Um, to, to do the kind of... We'll give it a little bit of justice here. Um, basically, because the rot is trying to overpower both the red and the green. Both of the the kind of parliaments that, that govern the red and the green have been really kind of forcing uh, the Swamp Thing and Animal Man together because they think that if they can combine, with, then their might will be enough to put the balance back together. That's why they followed Arcane into the Rot, which ultimately was a trap, and it's led them ten years out of continuity, which is where Rot World begins. Um, the neat thing is, once they were spit out of the rot, both Swamp Thing and Animal Man were actually completely separated, and so their storyline in Rot World is actually them both heading towards the the rot's place of power, and they both pick up different characters along the way. Um, in the end, once Swamp Thing finally gets to um, the the rot's place of power. 
with his giant uh, Batman or android that's full of uh, growth uh, pheromones and with um, with um, Batgirl as the, the man-bat, and he actually has himself hooked up to his own formula with the Bane formula juice in it, they wind up being a pretty big force on their own, along with like the citizens of New Gotham that are all done up like Robin. Yeah. And, uh, I think Mr. Freeze is with them, too, at that point, which is kind of cool how they included him in that. Yeah. We see some of the other villains for Batman as well, that he's, uh, he's lied to him and told him that they have nanite bombs in them, so that they have to be, you know, they're going to have to work with him. But yeah, Mr. Freeze plays a big, big part. Um, along with, I know Killer Croc's there, but he doesn't really play a big part. No, yeah, they have a couple of them there dressed up with that. Any of the ones who are still in jail, they he winds up letting them live there. That's where he tricks them into the. If the body, if the population count falls between a certain number, then the bombs will just go off in your heads. Hmm. And they believe him because he's Batman. You believe Batman because that's how it works. Even though he's crazy. Even though he's crazy, very much true. Now, given uh, when Barbara changes into the man bat, not 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 nearly as as sexy as when she's not the man bat. Just so, just so people don't get confused what I was talking about. <laughs> so, before we go much further into seventeen, let's jump over to Ant Man or Animal Man and talk about him a little bit. To the Animal Man, it, that only makes sense. Okay. So did he go into the wormhole with him? Mm-hmm. So they were together basically. They were together when they went in. Okay. And for them, they were in there for maybe like an hour or so. In real time, they were gone about ten years. So they've re- since returned to the regular timeline? They they haven't gotten back yet. Okay. So they returned to regular continuity just ten years in the future. So like all of us have continued to move forward. So Batman, uh, Justice League, all of us have continued to move forward at normal pace. Just Animal Man and Swamp Thing have both been eliminated from the game for ten years. So this kind of feels like an Elseworlds? Elseworlds tale? It would feel that way a little bit, yeah. Honestly, it kind of does because everything has gone to hell. Just about every hero that you could possibly think of has been infected if they didn't have some connection to the red or the green. So, I mean, we see Superman, as he's infected by the rot, is like a crazy monster. We see Hawkman as he's infected by the rot. We see Wonder Woman as she's infected by the rot. We see all the Teen Titans as they are affected by the rot. And the Flash. And the Flash. And, and Gigantus, Cyborg. Which I was surprised. I thought Cyborg would survive the rot. Because Cyborg. He was, yeah, he's even more robotic than, than organic, but <clears throat> evidently not. I'm pretty, I don't remember completely if this happened or not, but I thought I read somewhere when the rot got in Cyborg, it actually transferred over to his robot side, too. So it actually became like a computer virus that went over into... Maybe, but... Yeah, it makes sense. That would make sense. Yeah, but but still uses him later for something. But that may have happened in the. That might have been just making up stuff. I thought I remembered, but that might have happened in the um, in the Frankenstein books, and I haven't got to read those yet. Mm-hmm. During Rot World, the Frankenstein Agent of Shade also ties in for like three books, not quite as prevalent as the others. Not that it's not important. It just it's not as heavily. Steve, to know what's going on with the other books. I mean, if you miss that one altogether, you'd be okay. You really should read it because it really does complete the circle. People reading regular Frankenstein, I can't. They, I can't imagine how they would be lost with things, because it, as far as books are concerned, if you don't have any clue what's happening, and all of a sudden Rot World just happens, uh, kind of lost. And yeah. maybe that's what killed the book. 
Yeah, I was going to say at the end of the book, he starts going down the rock pathway. So. Right. And he does end up playing a yeah. fairly large role. He does. Yes, he does. Fantastic. Yeah, but do you think that killed his regular book? I doubt it. No? Sales probably killed his book. Mm-hmm. Just not enough people again, that, unfortunately. That's too bad. It's pretty good. It was yeah, good Frankenstein's book. one of yeah. my favorites. It was a good book. But this is true. So, so yeah. switching over to Animal Man, changing gears. Uh, basically, with Animal Man, what we the way they tell that story is a little bit different. Where Swamp Things moves progressively, we don't get a lot of flashback stuff. But in Animal Man, we get flashbacks to when his daughter was involved, and she's very much like him. Um, but as far as story is concerned, we see when she first gets approached by the rot and he's gone, she very very much believes he's going to show back up and fix things. So much so she gives herself up to save her parents. Well, yeah, save her, her brother and her, her mom and her cat. Well, uh, it's a good some, cat. And she is the one that was the most powerful, really, because she was being groomed to be the avatar for the Red. Right. Yeah, the, the dynamic is a lot different for Animal Man because we're dealing with his entire family. So we have Buddy Baker, who... Is Animal Man. Is Animal Man. And, of course, we find out that the origin story that we knew is not the real deal. And he actually gets enhanced before this is all done. He originally could only copy the abilities of animals that he was near. As the story continues and we actually start learning about the Red, he's brought in and reformed so that he can actually change his shape to utilize more animal abilities. And then he's actually able to pull on animal abilities that are farther out of his reach. They still have to exist, but he doesn't have to be as near to them. Um, We deal with his wife. We deal with his mother-in-law. We deal with his two children. Um, And his daughter is the big part of the story because she's meant to really be the Red Knight. She's just too young. And uh, Buddy was kind of just in the right place at the right time and they knew that they needed somebody to protect her. So he's really not the one who should be doing this, but he kind of has to. But uh, his storyline leads him over to Route World, and as we're doing that story, we're actually bouncing back and forth, just like Steven said. And so, yeah, we do have a moment where um, his daughter kind of sells herself out to the, to the black because she thinks that, yeah, dad's going to come back and help me save this. Well. You know, he's gone for ten years, so he never does get to come back. Um, The cat is actually important in the idea that it's one of the totems from the Red, just brought out into the real world. (laughs) And so, it's not just a regular animal, but... Because he talks. That's why he talks, yes. Right. He can actually become a bigger creature, too, but he'd probably die if he doesn't. But um, Animal Man gets to meet a lot of great characters. He... um, he almost immediately upon entering Rot World is greeted by the Beast Boy, who's deeply connected to the Red, and so the whole color change actually pays off a lot in Rot World. Um, Steel and Black Orchid. And what we find out as uh, as we go through, through Steel and Black Orchid is that basically the world was sieged and anything with organics that didn't have a tie was taken over by the black. And so, at some point, Steel actually transfers his entire consciousness into the Steel Android form. And so there is no human inside the machine anymore. He's just the machine, period. 
Um, they wind up taking Animal Man to like a little last holdout where we wind up finding that Constantine is still alive and we kind of have some extra adventures there. Um, through his story, we're led over to um, Frankenstein, who kind of exists outside of both. He's neither rot nor red nor green. He just he just is his, his own thing. And evidently he's made his own little army of Frankenstein-type followers that kind of help bolster that ranks. In their journeys, they find... Um, the plant-based Green Lantern that's actually not usually assigned to our to our region of space but we find out that the um, the Green Lanterns the Guardians have seen what's going on on Earth and felt that he was the best choice because he had such a good connection to plant life he's an organic like he's he's actually from a planet of all organic like living beings so he's like a living plant, a lot like, uh, like a vegetable person. Yeah, like a ve- yeah, <laughs> like a vegetable person, like a man thing, or mm-hmm. from the Marvel side of stuff. Not a man's thing, but you know, you know stuff. Anyway, so uh, it, he's he he's assigned to our sector because none of the Green Lanterns on Earth can handle it because they're all human, and none of them have connection to green or red, well, plant or red, so they can't. The, all of them just get infected and be taken out. So the Guardians basically eliminate him from the situation and replace him with this guy. Mm. So he's, at that point, he basically replaces the others as the Green Lantern of our sector. And I don't totally know if they explain this or not, but what I gathered from it is that when they were taken out of the game, they were, they were pulled all the way out. So Hal, Kyle, John, none of them are on Earth. Like, none of them are around at all. And I don't know if that's just because their rings were stripped and there's a human form of them, or if they were taken entirely out and they're out in space doing Green Lantern stuff. I don't know if they explain that or not. I kind of don't think they do. Do anything? I, I don't know either. I, okay. don't, I don't remember it. But um, we've already seen him completely depleted. He's been attacked by um, one of the villains that actually was also connected to the Green. That's been promised that he'll you know survive this unscathed as long as he keeps this Green Lantern out of play. And we went up rescuing him. And he's already... Along with having his ring drain because of that, he's already weakened because he's in an environment that is so rot-infested. Like, the parts of him that are connected to nature are kind of dying. But um, we wind up having a Green Lantern with the team, and he kicks a lot of ass for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does pretty good. Like, he once he gets recharged, he actually does, he actually does really, really good. Um, but as far as, like, Green Lanterns are concerned, that's where his whole thing comes from. And he... I think the main reason why he's being held is because the rot couldn't infect him. And it couldn't turn him because he's a plant-based organism. He's not. So he couldn't be infected by them, as far as setup is concerned. Uh, side note, like, this whole story, it's a lot, especially on the Animal Man side, it's a whole lot like the, the Wizard of Oz. I mean, you've got your character that went through the, the hole, or the gate, or whatever. For this was the time wormhole. And then not they a meet... Tornado. Yeah, right, not a tornado. And they meet their party, as it were. I mean, you've got the lion, which would be your beast boy, you got your tin man, which is your steel, and you got your black orchid, which would be your scarecrow. So, like, the way it plays out, because those are the main ones that travel with them. They're grand, they meet Constantine, and he explains some stuff, that's pretty much the only th- thing he's there for, is to tell you how things are happening, or why they're happening, so he's like a narrator. Mm-hmm. So a lot like Glinda, the like good Watu. witch. Right, like, you know, <clears throat> like Watu. So he shows up to say stuff, and then 
basically get his ass killed. Because the Flash is awesome when he's a bad guy. Hmm. He's, true. Villain, he's so deadly, just in general. If he was the turn, just go crazy. Yeah, dude, he's awesome. Yeah, he's really, really, really bad. Anyway, so let's uh, cut more towards the end. So we do with the Animal Man gets uh, his whole group all moving towards the same point. And at this point, Arcane's got two things against both the, well, two different people that he's captured from both sides. We're dealing with the daughter, Animal Man's daughter, and Swamp Thing's side. It's it's Alistair, it's Alistair Hollis's girlfriend, who's Arcane's daughter, Abigail. Uh, Abigail. And at this point, they both know that he's holding both of them. We do see Abigail meet a weird fate that's actually really takes you more back to the horse side of the story, because it's pretty gruesome. Oh yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, because uh, when we have most of the story, Swamp Thing going, "Oh, I can feel her, I can feel her," and yet the rest of the group is like, "No, she's dead. She fought really hard for us, but she's dead." And like he's just convinced that she's still out there. And even we come to the point where we get to see. Uh, well, that's all right. We're, we said we were doing some spoilers, so yeah, it's okay. It's fine. Or we see that Arcane, her own father, is like took in her head and like pulled it off. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Tore her spine out. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome. He's an he's an evil dude. Yeah. Yeah. Now we knew that he was also trying to reproduce her. He was cloning her, and he'd made sure that he was cloning her without her brain. But you know, you kind of go with the whole idea like, oh, how could Swamp Thing be wrong? And you can feel her out there. She's got to be out there somewhere, right? And of course, yes, we do have Animal Man who's coming in. He's like. You know, he knows that he can feel his bear. He can feel the red connected to her. You know, she's in the castle in the dark and the black, so it's got to be in there. And so we finally get that the big final confrontation, and we have this whole awesome fight outside of the black's place of power, where they all come together. Yes, <laughs> including Frankenstein and his army. Yes, and we see. Uh, I'm sorry. Go. There's something that happened in the middle there. We missed with Frankenstein. Well, yeah, that's that's still coming up. But one, yeah. one thing we did miss was the crazy fight between Swamp Thing and Superman. Yes, which was out of control. And which that even continues all the way up into the into the final battle. But yeah, I mean, we we see the Flash come in and he takes out Constantine pretty quick. And you know how how dangerous he could be, and what needs to be done to take him out. We see. Um, the swamp, or we, we see Frankenstein actually go toe to toe with Wonder Woman, which was great because we actually had moments where he's like, "Oh, I respected you when you were alive, but now that you're with this, yeah, whatever." What happens to Swamp Thing? To, no, not Swamp Thing. To yeah, Frankenstein. Well, our uh, awesome Green Lantern needs an unfortunate end um, through kind of just a weird flying monster that's like right behind him. It was kind of crazy because he was so awesome the rest of the time, and then he gets like. Anyway, he gets killed by the crazy flying monster, and the ring obviously chooses the closest person that would work for it, and goes straight to Frankenstein, and makes probably like the coolest Green Lantern we've seen ever. Frank Frankenstein as Green Lantern is incredible. <laughs> it was it was actually a really really neat take, and you know now we have Frank out there with big energy swords, and there's at least a couple panels where he changes his his missing arm now that is now like, become green energy from the Green Lantern ring, like, change it to chainsaws and cut these things up. So, like, you you kind of got, like, one of the most combat-oriented Green Lanterns in a while. It was fantastic. 
cool because it's because it's Frankenstein with a Green Lantern ring. That's why it's cool. It is. And it changes our arms like Ash from Army of Darkness mm-hmm. or Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I really lame about that is that like this is alternate Earth, alternate future stuff, man. Like I don't. <laughs> I would say it's possible, but I find it unlikely. Yeah. You're gonna fight Baz for it if he comes back. Um, Baz wouldn't have a chance. <laughs> wow. true. You've got a gun. I have a sword and a chainsaw, <laughs> and a chainsaw whatever else I want. Plus, he's Frankenstein, yeah, that's man. Right, Frankenstein. <clears throat> One of the great things about it, because it is kind of the Salesforce story, we can get away with a lot of other things. So we had the great story with Flash where he was monstrous, and then we wind up being able to kill Flash. Well, we do get this great fight between a juiced-up Swamp Thing who's running on his own formula plus Venom fighting toe-to-toe with Superman, who's been now affected by the rot. And it was... A super super fight and we even have a point in it where Barbara comes out of the the booth with like a chunk of kryptonite and like oh Bruce stole this from Lex just in case and we find out that like oh wait no, this version of Superman as he's affected by the rot isn't even affected by kryptonite anymore his cells are just living off of whatever sunshine he'd had before and so they kind of come up with the idea that if Superman is now just living off the old dead battery and he can't be affected by radiation anymore, well, what would happen if he gets exposed to more sunlight? And they kind of do this really daring half-plan to have um, Mr. Freeze kind of shoot up into the clouds and open up enough space that uh, we can get some sunlight in, and when it hits Superman, well... He he pops like a pigeon eating rice at a wedding. I haven't seen that, but I've been told that it's it's not good. There's a reason you don't do that anymore. I, I'll give it a little lame though the way Mr. Freeze buys it, because they're like shoot it free shoot shoot it free Freeze and like oh man Mr. Freeze is gonna be badass for a second, and then he sees Nora, which I don't know if you if you read the annual, that doesn't really mean a whole lot, and he just like crumbles like a sissy and then she kills the hell out of him. So ultimately it's Barbara that shoots the Ray because. She's awesome, even though she looks like a crazy giant bat. <laughs> I've got to say, too, like, uh, Swamp Thing, I wasn't too sure about his new look until that fight. And he gets up there as Superman, and he just looks crazy awesome with the sword and wings and horns. And... I'm actually really impressed with the with the new way that they've made him. But, I mean, the the other thing we got to keep in mind with the, swamp, the, the whole Mr. Freeze thing is that he's crazy. Sorry. He's crazy. I mean, and so there's not a whole lot of rationale behind why he reacts to Nora anyways. So I guess that's true, because he does think like that's all there, even though it actually isn't. In his head, it's still... It's still real to him. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird to me that if that's the same character, then that doesn't make sense because, well, she's not the same character, really. I guess it could be some other random person, too, that he just thinks looks like her. Right, that's true. It could just be him, like, going even more crazy there for a minute. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's it. I can see that. I'll give you that one. I I think it was convenient writing. Myself. (laughs) Also possibility. (laughs) But, um, we we finally get our big reveal. We open the gates to the Black 
kingdom, whatever. And Arcane sends out his, his trump weapon, which winds up being like five or six of these cloned Abigails with the missing brains and um, Animal Man's daughter, who's like now kind of almost looks like a giant prey mantis bug that's wearing what's left of her face over its face like a mask. It's crazy as hell. It really is crazy. Like, she's transformed to this crazy monster. The brainless Abigails, too. I mean, you're not talking about just no brain. Like, it looks like he operated and took the brain out, and now you've got, like, a sack on top because the flesh is still there, but no eyes and, like, a dent in the head as if the brain's gone. It's pretty creepy. Like I said, these are horror stories, technically. Uh, at least they, they should be classified that way. But, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where you get some grossness in there. But, hey, seriously, the stitched-up head's gross. They definitely immediately crumbled. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, I, I can see both of their reactions. And that was what, that's what Arcane wanted, ultimately, is he wanted them to be like, I, I quit, I give up. Like, he, he held these trump cards to, to have them fail that way. And so, to their credit, they really don't. But Animal Man kind of takes the first plunge and is like, you're not my daughter anymore, and actually winds up, it appears, to kill his own daughter. Which is nuts, but it is in the Sprout world, and she is so far gone, there's no redemption for her. And Swamp Thing just kind of deals with what he needs to deal with, but at the same time, Swamp Thing's kind of thinking long-term, because he still has the bat robot full of his chemical that he's going to shower, you know, this place with. And in the end, that would actually allow the green to take hold again. And you get this whole kind of crazy fight where that's all taking place, and they start to send off um, the bat robot. The bat robot. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like even though this isn't a part of that, that is not a big part of that story. I wanted to throw this in here because it was cool. We get this whole point with Steel, where Steel faces off against you know this rotted out version of Cyborg, and he manages to produce out his, his big steel sledgehammer, and he crushes its head, and he's like, oh, I've always wondered if I could do this, and he starts plugging himself into Cyborg, and actually raises Cyborg as another little piece of him, so that Cyborg can fight alongside of the, uh, the Justice, or the, uh, you know, the steel and party, and it was freaking awesome <laughs> have them both back there just shooting the hell out of all those rod things. Um... But, like, this, it was really kind of a very tense moment trying to get the bat robot up into the atmosphere high enough that they could see these clouds and rain down the chemical and, and make um, make the green strong again. Really, really well done. I love the writing on it. I mean, it, it felt like you were watching stuff in the movies, you know? Like, you were really, like, just get up there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was just me. No, I, no you, you're me. definitely rooting for him. Yeah, I, I wanted it so much. You know, and then we finally get, um, gosh, now I'm having a hard time with the name. Arcanum uh, actually getting into the storyline, and he's actually up there on top of the robot fighting Alistair. We have a whole point where um, when Animal Man finally realizes he has to get back into the fight, borrowing a lot of the red energies from Beast Boy, probably killing him in the process getting up there and having, a, you know, another big smackdown part of the fight. And in the end, yeah, they succeed. 
the bat robot does its thing, it spreads out the green everywhere, the black is starting to lose its power, and Swamp Thing and Animal Man kind of have that moment where, well, okay, we've done enough. Let's end it now. Let's find our cane, and let's kill him now. And just be done with it. And we follow him all the way into the castle, which, as you're reading it, I don't know about you guys, I was like, this is a really bad idea. You know, when something happens and you're like, this is an idea? This is a shit idea. <laughs> and yet we followed him in anyways. Um, we follow him all the way to the point where he goes into where the council of um, of the rod is. The things that kind of govern the rod as a whole and share their power. And we kind of find out a really big part of the story there that they never wanted this that it's all arcane and he's just so nuts that he wants to see the whole world driven to nothingness and that he's just been running the gun this whole time and like has kind of been leading the rot down an alley that they didn't want to go and uh, arcane decides well if this didn't work this time i'll just go back in time and change it again and the council basically tells and the swamp thing that they can send them back one time but that's it like they won't be able to do it again. And so that's where we end <laughs> 17 and so on, is, a, is is Animal Man and Swamp Thing going back. We don't know when. We don't know where they're going to come out. We don't know when Arcane's going to come out. So My guess would be they will come out where they left first, before, before they first left, and try to grab a hold of him. Then they would not have been gone that 10 years. I'm just guessing, but... All that fighting was for nothing. Oh, yes and no. And none of the, no, nobody else will have the memory of it, mm -hmm. of course, well, just them. This is true. But, of course, if they hadn't succeeded in this future, they wouldn't have forced Arcane back. And actually, if if this was the long-term goal of, of that story, even the Zero issue makes sense, because I was, I was kind of wondering, well, why has Arcane been the Avatar of the Black for so long? Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he's just gone back further and tried this before. And that's where he's attacked the red and the green before Alistair and Buddy. Yeah, they definitely make it seem like this is not his first uh, his first attempt at it. Cause the way he, way he's when he's when he's talking before he jumps into the portal thing, he basically says that if I don't succeed this time, I'll just try again and again and again and again. So it's almost like the dude's been trying, God only knows how many times, which might explain why he looks the way he does, like a bag of bag of bones with the flesh sewed on the outside of it. So he looks creepy. Like, real creepy. Like, not human at all, really. Like, really pretty bad. But yeah, setup-wise, I mean, Rock, Rock World's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, we have four regular story parts on each side, and at this point we have at least two final issues. So, I'm trying to think, the whole thing spans, like, probably number 13 to probably number 18, which hasn't come out yet, granted. So there might be two more parts. I can't totally remember in the solicits what it said. I think it does in 18. Okay, so if nothing else, there's at least one more chapter before the thing ends. And as far as story-wise goes, I mean, it's really good. I don't Number 17's art in Swamp Thing is definitely a disappointment. But as far as the rest of it goes, the Animal Man art is fantastic all the way through. Um, Swamp Thing's art up to 17 has been fantastic the entire way. So I can't imagine number 18 being bad. But at the same time, like, if you're just glancing through it and decide whether you want to try it or not, it, don't let 17 sell you on it because you'll miss out a lot. 17's are bad, but as far as the story is concerned, it's it's really good. 
I mean, if, if nothing else, if you're coming to the series and you're like, oh, I'd really like to check it out, Swamp Thing and Animal Man will give you a chance to go through all of the heroes in the DC Universe and kill most of them. And you're not going to get that in most other books. And honestly, like, it's kind of in a lot of gruesome ways. The way that things happened was not very good for the rest of the DCU. So. And you're not going to get Frankenstein Green Lantern. Anywhere else either. This is true. Which yeah. is unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> or still robot, for that matter. Yes. Still robot, not quite as impressive as the uh, Frankenstein Green Lantern, though. I don't know. I kind of love this deal as a robot. I like that too. And to say to you that it's probably like a long shot from ever happening, but if DC ever wanted to make an animated movie that was kind of off from their usual thing, that'd be an awesome animated movie for them to make. Uh, yeah, that would be Raw World. That would actually make a lot of sense too. I totally agree. I, I don't think you could make live action, but animated. Holy cow, this thing would be incredible. So, yeah. So Bruce Tim, if you happen to hear this, which you're not going to. Put your hate for Rob aside, <laughs> because he didn't really mean anything by it, man. And I, everybody has an off day, and I'm, I, you know, let let it go, because I'm pretty sure Animal Man Swamp Thing is a team. If you just did Rot World, they deserve a video. I realize you don't think that Jason Todd or Tim Drake or the Spectre deserve their own movies. <laughs> just do Rot World, because it'd be awesome if you did, you know. It's just a side note. Let's move, move on to something else. I'm getting the cut, cut sign from Kurt. That was... You want him to make some. Don't don't degrade him right now. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't degrading. It's just, I don't... No, I, I actually love you, Bruce Tim. You're fantastic. <laughs> I, I understand you don't like questions asked of you. Stop it. <laughs> We're just making it worse. <laughs> okay, seriously, seri seriously. We, we, we would all appreciate that movie. Just, just saying. Anyway, so uh, move on to, do you want to do Revival or the answer first? You do Revival. Do Revival? Okay, so with Revival, I, I didn't really pick a number as far as books go. I mean, the newest one out right now is six. Uh, the trade just came out. And to make it easy for people, they put out a zero or a number one issue at a dollar. So just an idea for how popular the series is, we're at issue six. That's the newest one until next week. And issue one's been printed five times. So we have four regular printings, and then the dollar printing. So pretty much means it's been printed once every month it's been out for number one. Number two and number three both got second printings and third printings. So the book's really, really popular now. Um, it's basically a modern noir. Um, we're dealing with, uh, cast-wise, we have like four or five regular characters, like main characters, I guess. But there's just so many other like little pieces peppered in there. But I think the two main characters, I say, are the Sage Sisters. And uh, as far as setup is concerned, basically you're in a small town in Wisconsin. And uh, first issue, you deal with, uh, there, there's the older sister who's, she's like a sheriff. Um, I guess a deputy maybe? I guess she, maybe she's a deputy. Her father's the sheriff, so he's the main cop in town, and she would be one of his underlings. I don't really know how that system works. They probably say that. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Deputy? Okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so her sister is like the hellion of the family. Like, she's going to college, she's younger, and she's making, like, almost all the wrong choices you can make in college. Professors and just, in general, like, making bad choices. Her sister winds up going to Bell her out and pick her up at one point, and then while they're returning home, 
she gets a, a, a call to go check out a disturbance out at this barn. And as the two of them are walking up to the barn, you see these white flecks on the ground. And then you get a zoom in on the flecks and their teeth. And then once you get inside the barn, there's this old lady and they're freaking out. With a pair of pliers straight up pulling her teeth out of her head. In order to put her dentures back in. In case you don't know how dentures work, generally you don't put them in when you have teeth. Because that's what they're there for is to replace your teeth. And, uh, of course they start trying to talk, the cop lady starts trying to talk to her. And, uh, old lady freaks out straight up, pulls off this grim reaper sickle off the wall. Or, I don't even know off the wall, it doesn't matter. She picks it up and she stabs the sister. And then the uh, cop lady shoots the heck out of her. We turn back around to see the sister, and, uh, she pulls the scythe out of her. And her wound starts healing. And she looks at her older sister and says, don't tell dad. And that's where issue one ends, which is just all get out crazy. Um, during the issue, we see random shots of this thing in the woods. And we're not entirely sure if the thing in the woods is an alien or is a demon or a ghost. At this point, we haven't really figured that out. And even now, we haven't figured it out. Um, as far as the title of the series, Revival is the name of the series because people are reviving from the dead. But it's not straight up like regular zombie stuff. Like, they're not completely out of control. Well, okay. So they're not like ravenous for blood. Okay, so they're not, um... <laughs> it, it's not uncontrollable like zombies are uncontrollable. It seems like they're aware. When they come back, they seem to be like the person that they were when they left. They just seem to be able to regenerate. And, and a little off. We're, like, we're not, possibly, yeah. We're, we're not entirely sure all the consequences of this yet. But whatever is happening, it seems to be only happening in this town. Well, the words got out about it. It's on the news. People are like, oh, these revivers are coming back. They're trying to now cordon off the town. Because they don't want people coming in from outside, and they don't want people from ins outside, inside coming out to keep this thing from being like a pandemic. But yeah, we're, we're still not sure what the nature of these re revivers are. They're not even... Like pet cemetery. I mean, they're they're just kind of they're there, but they're not just not quite all there mentally. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they, you know, in the last few issues, what they're talking about well, are are the revivers dangerous? And you know, like, hmm, not not really, but maybe I, we don't know. Was the old lady pulling the teeth out of her skull? Was she a re revived? Yes. Yeah, but she so did. she they can be crazy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're definitely cracked. Like they're the ones that seem normal, aren't really normal. Hmm. Um, that could be said for anybody, though. Well, that's true. That's a, okay. as you point to the rest of the people in the room. Thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good job. Uh, well, we see like there's there's another example. There's an old man. He's being uh, taken care of by son and daughter. And son and daughter either they really aren't son and daughter or they're the son and daughter that. They're too close in that kind of bedroom type way. Yeah. You know what that's about, Ross? Kind of, right? He's nodding his head. Not, that's a good boy. Anyway, they're, they, yeah, they're the kind of, they're, they're a little closer than they should be. And old man, he seems to be, like, not into it, not in, like, he's just staring at the TV all day. And then, I think it's issue five, um, we have an incident where our police officer, she winds up at the house and there's a guy who showed up there with a gun, and I believe, I don't remember who the guy is. Shoot. 
I should have looked at that earlier. I know anyway, what you were talking about, but I don't recognize the I don't name. recognize the name either. There was actually an incident before that, and you mind if I do that real fast? Go, go ahead, yeah. Uh, the husband character... Um, of the siblings. ...winds up uh, being disemboweled in his own bed. Right. And we don't know who did it or when it happened. And, of course, you know, it can't, it can't be the old man. He just stares at the TV all day. Right. Okay. So, so um, she winds up showing up at the house chasing this guy with a gun. The guy with the gun goes upstairs, and he's wanting to shoot the old man. Of course, she gets in the way because she doesn't understand what he's trying to do. And he's like, look at him. Look, at you. you're not telling me you can also buy this act. And we see three different shots of the same old man sitting on the bed, and he's just staring at the TV in the first shot. Second shot, he's staring and kind of drooling at the TV. Third shot, his eyes is dead on, turned and fixed on her crazy style. Hmm. She sees it for a second, and then, uh, I believe, doesn't she get whacked in the head after that? And then bites it on the ground. So <laughs> it's it's obvious that the uh, old man is not, he's not as feeble as he acts. Right. Um, that's just one part of it. There's, the they're just, the guy was right. He's absolutely yeah. correct. Right. The guy, the guy there with the gun is totally in the right for what he's doing. But it's one of the situations. I mean, there's a dude who went to shoot an old man. You don't know how to respond. It's just like zombie problems. You see somebody stumble in the street, and you're like, I'm going to go help that person. And that's the worst choice ever, because you automatically get bitten, and what are you? You're a zombie. That's how it works. Is, it, is this stuff spread? Is it spread? How is it spread? Do we know? They haven't seem... figured it out. Yeah. They don't know if it's, contag if it's uh, contagious, if it's... Right. They have no, no idea. It just kind of feels like Pontypool. You ever seen that movie? Yes. That's what it kind of feels like. Pontypool, a little bit different than where the whole thing... It was more zombie-oriented. Yeah. Pontypool, but... the, the air and the words in the air make yeah. the thing. Yeah. Pontypool is, is really good. If you haven't seen Pontypool, there's going to be a sequel. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's, it's a good film. It's uh, it's foreign, but it's good. It's but back... Canadian, it's not that well, it's I don't know. It's foreign. It's foreign. <laughs> yeah. It's foreign. Can't use it or money. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's not how you determine if someone's foreign exactly. or not. Exactly. Yeah. Their arcade's foreign to me. <laughs> only, only their change. Exactly. And it's only if you sneak it in with the rest of the change. <laughs> but yeah, the other part of the story that we're seeing right now is um, there's at least a fair amount of people that are really starved for attention, and so they're faking like their revivals or that they're being possessed by demons. And we enter in this guy who's supposed to be an exorcist. And uh, when he first shows up, he seems to be pretty legit, and this girl is supposedly in the wraps of a full-on demonic possession, and she's, like, puking and throwing on the bed and everything. And he tells the parents, Oh, you, this is going to be a really tough one. You're going to have to go outside. Whatever you hear, don't come in. And as soon as they leave, he straddles around the bed and starts grabbing her and choking her. And basically he's like, I know you're faking. This is all bullcrap. And like just totally tells her out on it. And once again, it's the, the whole thing. She was completely doing it for attention. And we kind of seem like he's just a complete scam artist, that he's just as phony as the rest of them. Isn't he the one with the, always have a beer in his hand? Yes. Yeah, I'd be the guy. <laughs> um, in the end, I don't know if that's really the case. I think he may be more legit as an actual exorcist, or at least that he's seen what he believes to be real spiritual things, but he wasn't going to let her not take advantage of the money that he could make off of exercising her. But it was yeah. really legit. Like, it was a great story. Oh, yeah, when you're first reading it, it's really shocking, actually, because he goes from being, like, sort of normal, laid back, because this is the first time you meet him, and the next, next second he's on her choking the hell out of her. 
So it, it's he, it's, it's pretty. Uh, as the story's gone on, he's gotten himself into a little trouble <laughs> doing what he's doing. Oh yeah, um, for, for sure. He's uh, yeah, he's a little he's a little off. Not real popular. He, no, people don't appreciate his methods. But ultimately, I don't think he's—I don't think he's actually a villain-type character. But I think he definitely goes about things the wrong way, maybe. And he does want to take advantage of the situation and make some money. Well, I mean, who doesn't really? I mean, honestly, <laughs> I would. You know, um, I think I'd especially do that, in that world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, what do you got to lose? <laughs> right, exactly. To make things crazier, the kind of thing that we've seen out in the woods—that we're not sure what it is—at some point, this. It's possible, except for it's really thin. Oh, yeah. Not bad. No, Sorry, Kevin. And, and it doesn't wear any clothes. So. And it glows. Yeah. Mr. Burns? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it, could be. it could be Mr. Burns. Damn it, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> um, at some point, the Exorcist character has actually seen it and got a photograph of it. And that leads to some other conflicts, mainly like a little tough uh, scuffle with a journalist who winds up stealing his phone. And she was going to go off and reveal, oh, hey, you thought it was crazy that people are coming back to life. Well, look at this alien demon thing. And, which leads him to, of course, need to get some revenge on her. Right. And so he captures her and basically straps her to the back of, I want to say that was a, uh, a tow truck. In his mind, what he saw was a demon. And so he was going to set it up to capture a demon. So he built like, you know, a, a spiritual circle on the ground that was going to contain it, and he had an offering for it, and he was using her as bait. Right. And so, like in his mind, he was totally doing the right thing, but like he t <laughs> really got her set up. Like it looked like he was going to kill the hell out of her. Yeah, it looked more like a sacrifice. It looked like a like a a trap or whatever. There, all the time this stuff's going on, we still have the sister, the first one that got stabbed. Uh, and she, we find out that she's dating a college professor that she shouldn't be dating because he's married. And she elects one night to uh, go out and show how much she likes this college professor by uh, going to the same bar he's at, with his wife, of course, and picking a fight with, like, a trucker lady, agging her on, uh, uh, the kind of, she's, she's a rough and rumble kind of trucker lady. And uh, she basically just makes fun of her to the point that the lady decides to beat the crap out of her. And the sister, she's not stout. She's a little thing. Mm -hmm. And she basically gets her ass kicked. Pretty much. Uh, really bad. And the whole time that she's getting stomped on by this truck lady, who's drunk, of course, she's at the bar, she's just staring at the teacher the entire time, like creepy, crazy girl style. Uh, anyway, eventually the sister also saves her from that situation. He's like, I can't believe you. What, what you're doing? She's all messed up. Like, her face is all bruised and cut. and <sighs> She's been doing crazy, yeah, cut. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I did with the C-U-T. All right. All cut up. And uh, she, uh, she's just been doing crazy things. Like, the more, the more she found that she could revive, she just basically beats the hell out of herself. And uh, I, I have a sneaking suspicion about... So, after reading number six, they haven't given a clue to this yet, but I wonder what you guys think about it, the one that both are up on it. So I kind of think... Because at one point, we see the sister get... She gets killed by somebody. And uh, stuff in the trunk style. And, of course, she revives and comes out completely fine. And we're not entirely sure who did the killing. But I kind of think that maybe the reason she's a hellion at this point anyway is before the book even started, so let's say zero-issue style, 
I think she got killed once before. I never really thought about that. It's quite possible. Whatever this thing is in the woods, it's reached out to her at least once. Right. Um, so is, is it possible? Yes. Uh, we did actually see in 5 where I was, I was getting to where... Um, where our exorcist has the lady strung up, that the, the creature in the woods actually does come in contact with her and bond with her for a moment. Right. And we got to see that it's carrying around memories of people that have died. And so a lot of it, what it was talking about was things that were important to them in their lives. And so she lives this whole memory of this other person, and then it, it leaves. But... It would make sense. We never saw where she died, but we know that she definitely was a reviver, or she is a reviver. And the way she words Don't Tell Dad at the beginning of the first one, it kind of makes me think that she already was. So, yeah, I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually, and I kind of think, because at the end, end of issue six, I believe it is, she, sister, she takes off on a snowmobile, basically, because she sees what's happening with the uh, reporter lady, and goes to save her, but the way she does that is, uh, is it in a five? into five. She winds up basically driving the snowmobile into the truck. And uh, that's how she did, stops the uh, exorcist from uh, doing things by blowing the hell out of herself on a snowmobile in the middle of the night. And that ultimately winds up saving the reporter lady, or at least she thinks saving the reporter lady, because I don't think he was actually going to do much more to her than just use her as bait. But ultimately, now that she knows she can revive, she pretty much just does anything she wants. She's, she's crazy. But she's that kind of cracked, like we see the other characters acting. Maybe not as far gone as the old lady with the teeth, or the old man, probably. But at the same time, like, I, I'd be willing to bet that she was probably killed once before. And she might be the very first reviver, actually. And that's quite possible. And actually, just thinking about that opens some possibilities. Because, I mean, uh, the whole reason that she may have gone to that bar getting beaten the hell out of may have been to be like... Hey, uh, professor guy who probably killed me. I'm not dead. Right. Well, yeah, and after this, we see her killed the, what I believe is the second time. The only person that has any reason to kill her would be the professor. Because he's got a wife and he's got his whole class tenure thing. And I don't know, we see that in movies and films a lot, I guess. The whole kill the girlfriend type thing. But uh, as far as setup is concerned, like I, I think he's the only one that would be the one to look for. And the main thing about it is when she got killed, she got hit in the head. So she doesn't actually remember who killed her. Because her sister asked her how she got all roughed up, and she's like, I don't really remember. But we see her show up in a trunk. So it's crazy. So you think she's responsible for what's going on there? I don't think she's responsible. I think the alien she is... Out of there? Maybe. I think, ultimately, I think if it's, if it's a spirit or an alien, ultimately I think it's there regardless. I just think this happens to be what's going on at the same time. But that originally had the thing in the woods not been there, she would have just died the first time around and murdered. So, did she call it? Maybe. Did it, was it just out there somewhere in the middle of nowhere and it came because of her? Possibly. But until we know more about the memories it remembers, it's hard to say if it's connected to her before this or not. But I have a feeling that being that the whole area is being affected by whatever it's doing out there, and the little brother, well, not little brother, I guess it's the, the, her, the sister, the sheriff, her son has talked to the thing out in the woods before. And in fact, he's out there playing because he's one of those kids that doesn't have a whole lot of friends because his mom is cop. And he's out in, in the woods playing with what his Transformers would be because they're robots. 
Where, where's Craig when we need him? I know. And he leaves his Transformers out in the woods for the thing to play with if it gets bored. And he actually is like, yeah, I don't play with these ones so much anymore. If you want to play with them, you can. And then he goes inside, and it's like, really, it's, I don't know, it's kind of, it's just one of those things that you feel bad for the kid. But does that mean this thing is connected to his family? And if it is, I'd say it's a Hellion sister that bring it. I mean, I, ultimately, there's, it's hard to say, like, if it's just happenstance. But I have a feeling we're going to find out she was the first one that actually revived. And it's probably because she was murdered before. I, I, that's that's what I think. Um, it, anyway, about just about revival in general. Like the trade just came out maybe a month ago. It has issue one through five. Uh, if you if you're worried about spending the thirteen bucks to try it out, the issue one they put out as a dollar. Um, we'll have more copies. I think in a week. I think. Um, but either direction, if you if you get a chance to check it out, uh, Tim Seeley's guy writing it, and he's fantastic. Um, Ed, uh, Mike Norton's the one doing the art, and he's awesome too. Not, he's, I don't know, he, he's really, really good. Not super flashy, but as far as like art's concerned, he's he's good. Um, style of art is, I don't know, I, I want to try to compare it to something, but I don't know what to compare it to. Like, uh, it's not it's not overly dark, it's not overly, I guess it is pretty bloody and gutsy. So, e either way, my, uh, art's fantastic, Mike Norton's great, uh, Tim Seeley also great. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But I liked, uh, you mentioned this uh, earlier before we were talking about it, but they took, what, a month off to do the trade? Mm -hmm. The number one issue has been printed over five times. Yes, so that's that's almost as many issues as the book has come out. So, I mean, if that gives you an idea of, like, how how good it's been or how interesting the story is, I mean. Yeah, how it's caught on. Words oh, yeah. get, word getting getting out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic read, so definitely worth checking out if you're looking outside of Marvel and DC. So, right, right. Okay, so after revival, we have another Mike Norton offering, mm -hmm. um, the answer, which is from Dark Horse. Um, and uh, we'll let Kurt start with the answer, I guess. Well, the answer is a superhero book, and he's kind of like he's dressed all in black, and he's got an exclamation point on his face. So that's like old-timey superhero, and that's what I love about it. Because it's not flashy, he doesn't have a, a special gimmick or anything, it's just the answer. Now we start out at the beginning, where we actually see the answer, and uh, the female in the story, who he's trying to protect, is uh, that we learn later is Devin McKenzie. So we see her on a, on, on a ledge, and he's down a little further below, and he's all, jump and I'll, I'll save you, she's all... In her mind, she's she's kind of a bookworm because she's a librarian. She's she's not very athletic. She says, "I'll never be able to do this." So then we go on, and that's the first page. So that's kind of like what we're gonna get to. So we we come on we come upon uh, Devin McKenzie, and of course she's a librarian. So she's she's in the library, and uh, she's a. Uh, you, you you see word bubbles of Jeopardy questions, and she's answering left and right, right? Yeah. So we get the feeling that she's really she's really an intelligent girl. She likes puzzles. She likes puzzles. So uh, what do you get somebody that loves puzzles and knows everything? So her mom gets her. Before you go there, uh, she's got this present sitting in the library with her, and she hasn't opened it. 
because she's afraid of what it's going to be. And we kind of get this whole flashback where we get to see that basically like her family doesn't really understand her very well. And so for her last big present that she can really remember her mom getting her, it was a handheld taser. Yeah. And she's kind of like, uh, thanks, Mom. Yeah. So she's been waiting on this present. And dreading it. it at the same time. Yeah. And she's like, well, if I don't open it now, I'm going to get keep getting called. But all right. And we find... We find it's like a, a big Rubik's Cube type puzzle. Except instead of colors, it's got symbols, and it's got like, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten sides on it. Mm. And she says that it shouldn't be that easy to to answer. But there's a, there's like six different panels of her putting it together, and she gets it done surprisingly quick. Okay? And when... When she gets it done, it opens, and there's a website, like like a fortune cookie paper, and there's a website to go to. Okay? So, from there, we see... What do we see, Rob? We have her going, basically like, oh, how cheesy is this? You know, oh, we got this web page inside here. I mean, can you really not pay for better advertising this? Oh, whatever. Okay, so I'm going to go online and check it out. In the meantime... We actually, we find out the web page's name, and I'm sorry, I forgot it, but we have this whole, like, little info commercial kind of going on in the background where we have this, uh, you know, talking head guy basically telling us about what the website's all about. And he's trying to play it up and play it up and play it up, and he's eventually like, you know what, it really isn't about much of that shit. It's basically about chaos yeah. and how chaos is going to affect the world because people live their life and they relive the next day when they wake up and the next day and the next day and he's trying to break that and make it chaos instead of order so after that we see um she goes to the website and of course it's a bunch of puzzles so she's doing all these puzzles cracking them out they're supposed to be hard puzzles and uh it's it's fairly simple to her so <clears throat> then we see a uh Next, we have the cutaway of the guy uh, with the uh, oh, gasoline. We, we kind of get a little bit of action. We take it away from there. She, she's done all these puzzles, and so we take a break from her. We go to this kind of punk-looking guy, and he's uh, straddling a gas uh, tank gun, and he's just spraying it on the car like he's peeing. <laughs> and he's just like, you're peeing on gas, yeah. <laughs> We go inside the store, and we have this kind of Mexican standoff between the cash register clerk and this robber with two shotguns. And basically, like, they're both like, you put down your gun, you put down your gun, you put down your gun. And we get this last guy who kind of steps out from behind the racks, and he's got a customer, and he's got a knife to her throat, and he's all, oh, plot change. <laughs> and so the, the clerk's finally like, all right, fine, I give in. And the answer takes out the one... One robber with the shotgun, and he picks up his shotgun. And he, like, comes out of nowhere. He yeah. Just, boom, there's the answer. Choo-choo, shotgun. And then the other one's like, man, if you come any closer, I'm going to cut this lady's throat. And he's standing behind this lady. So we see the answer discharge of the shotgun. And the next panel, we see a hole in the lady's skirt from behind, and the guy lying on the ground holding his crotch, and it's all bloody. So he shot through the lady's skirt and hit the guy behind her. Which is pretty epic, if you ask me. Yeah. I, long Im- legs. Implausible. Long legs. But awesome to visualize. It was, it was a neat visual. Um, and as that's going on, 
we see a, like a shadowy figure watching the answer on like a green screen. Uh -huh. So he's got somebody helping him as he's watching because we'll see him go to his earpiece. So right. yeah. um, from there, the answer then takes the fight outside to this guy who's out there still just like whizzing it up. Oh, check out my fire hand. He sees the answer and he's like, oh, he's some kind of superhero, and he lights this lighter. And, like, you kind of think he's got this whole, like, speech in mind that he's going to say, like, how bad he is and you better not come over to me. And the question isn't going to have any of that. He just, like, moves on him with force and freaking chops him in the throat. And he starts dropping the lighter. And I really thought, he's going to catch the lighter. He just lets it fall. Yeah. It winds up hitting the, the gases on the ground and phew, that starts a big flame everywhere. Now, the question does go back, or the answer does go back and, and manage to pick up you know this idiot piss boy and bring him away from the fire out of a ball of fire you see him go back in and bring somebody out and it's the guy that now was gonna start it that that part does drive me nuts because i still think like man hopefully everybody else was out of the building mm -hmm. hopefully he didn't just save that one dude <laughs> right he's like not got any sense in his head anyways well he um, didn't tell everybody else to leave there prior go. to that so so hopefully they were gone aside from like the guy got shot in the groin with the shotgun he's probably done but well, the real question is: Does he make a? Does he make the gas station guy a sidekick with that name later? Maybe. Maybe the answer is gas station p boy <laughs> sidekick. I, I have a feeling that the, the answer doesn't have time for sidekicks. But back to the guy that was watching the answer. He gets an alert, and up on the screen pops this Devin McKenzie girl. So he's he freaks out, drops his food, and then we see him contact the answer. We assume, and. Uh, then we cut back to uh, uh, Devin, and she's uh, still doing all the quizzes and stuff. And then it says finally at the end that they're telling her her results. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't really care about the score. She's all, I should be paying you mm -hmm. for all this entertainment in a dark alley. You know, so it's mm -hmm. she's kind of uh, uh, nonsensical at that point. Like, mm -hmm. it's no big deal. So... Yeah, to, to her it was it was a simple thing. She enjoyed the challenge, right? Um, and you know, of course, you know, she's just talking junk because she's she's safe. She's in the library. She's you know just Nothing playing on the computer. And then we see what the, the answer. answer. The answer shows up. And he's hanging. He he manages to make his way in through one of her windows. So we we assume that the guy that was watching knows all this, and he's giving him directions and. Um, and actually to. To his credit, like, he comes in pretty B.A., she's freaking out, and she's got her, like, pepper spray that she's going to spray him in the face with, and he's just like, eh, whatever. And he basically tells her, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. 20 seconds, these four guys are going to burst into the room. 20 seconds after that, smoke will go off. So he's got the answers to how they're supposed to get away. So he's leading her out. And the funny thing that I just want to mention is her coffee cup she has. Uh -huh. It says librarians do it by the book, so that's kind of it's it's fairly. I also like what she says about her her pepper spray. I don't know if you got that or not. I'll I'll find it here in a minute. I guess I have four ounces of skin defying expanding foam pepper spray and a shaky trigger finger. So <laughs> so he gave her the come with me if you want to live. After yeah. he yeah this this is what's <laughs> going to happen. So you make the decision. If we don't get out, you're going to be toast. And we don't know why these people are after. I just assume it's the crazy guy, the talking head guy. And it's it's got to be something to do with that. The whole with the website puzzle. thing. It's got to be something to do with the website. 
It's kind of like that movie, uh, Mercury Rising. You ever see that? That, that autistic oh, kid yeah. solves the... Yeah, he solves the, the, the big puzzle that's... Uh, that happens to be a test for the uh, national security mm-hmm. codes. Yeah, they're, they're breaker codes. Mm-hmm. And they come after him. And, yeah. So, yeah. Not like The Last Starfighter? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Last Starfighter, except Star without the cool Fighter. spaceship. It's yeah. a guy with a mask. And it won't be a raisin-headed alien either. That's not a fun oh. ride. So anyway... <laughs> They get out of this building, they got people, they, they, they throw the gas in, they get out of this building, and that's where we cut to the beginning of the book, where she's on the ledge, and I can't do this, blah, 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 I'm just a librarian. Right. So eventually, she jumps down to the answer, and they make their way, uh, the answer knows that he's going to, like, the bus station, right? right? He had it all set up that he had two tickets to get on this bus, and that was how they were going to get out. And he kind of mentions as he's going, like, oh, I didn't anticipate you being so slow about doing this stuff. Yeah. Like... <laughs> So, like, uh, yeah, it kind of plays to the fact that she's been a bookworm her whole life. Right. And she doesn't have a sense of that urgency that he does. Because she doesn't know what the hell's going on. But he does, and we don't know how he knows what's going on. He's just the answer. So. Right. And another great thing, he, he winds up sending her on the bus, and the guys that are chasing them catch up. And so, of course, the answer has to stay to be the answer to that situation. But um, the cool thing about her getting on the bus was that she has um, this whole monologue where she's talking about, like, well, do you go to these these horror films and these action films, and you're like, God, you guys are so stupid for doing that. Why mm-hmm. don't you look behind you? Man, you're so dumb to do that. And she's talking about how when you're really in that situation, you don't react that way, and you do the things that you say, oh, I would never do that, mm-hmm. because that's the situation. You're just wrapped up in it. Like running upstairs when somebody's after you. You don't run upstairs. There's nowhere to go. You know exactly, but yet in the panicky situation, <laughs> you're gonna run upstairs because that's what you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, we see she's on the bus now, and she's looking back, and she sees all these guys that were after her. They're like in full, uh, like SWAT uniform kind of. Yeah right, yeah. right. So the answer's taking them on, and uh, in one panel you see the answer gets shot in the face. Yeah. Right. He starts getting beaten down, and they definitely shoot him in the head. So and then we cut back to her. And they're taking off, and these guys are just watching the bus take off. Well, she's she's kind of like hiding. She's hunkered down, so watching out, out the window. In, in theory, they didn't realize that she was getting on the right. bus. And then uh, we see her next. She's sleeping on the bus. And uh, we see somebody come up beside her and say, hey, can I take this seat? And she's still sleeping. And it's the answer. Dun, dun, dun. So it's, 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 a, it's a nice little superhero book. And it's done really well by Dennis Hopeless and, and Mike Norton. And Mike Norton, like uh, Ryan Otley, is kind of a pimp of the art world now. Right. Everybody wants a piece of him, so. <clears throat> Very true. That, the cool thing about it is only four part, so yeah. he's not super, super long by any means. But, yeah, as far as setup is concerned, like, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it, yeah, it, it is. I think, uh, I think ultimately we're going to find out that there's more than one answer. And that's... That's what the deal is. <laughs> Maybe they're clones. Maybe. I, I think it's two guys in the suit. So one of them died? I, I would say probably the lead one actually died, and now we're getting plan B. Maybe he's got a Kevlar mask. Maybe. It's I mean, a shotgun it could be, to the face, though. It could be Batmaned up, and he just, he just took it like a man. Right. But I, I think it's more like probably like Mr. Unknown, and that you've got the dude behind the scene driving the boat, and the guy gets things done. Right. And I think guy gets things done... Well, he got things done in it with his face. Right. Well, maybe the guy that's watching is the other guy. Is the guy that's controlling everything, which would right. be maybe an army of these 
whatever they are. Yeah. Maybe they're cyborgs. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Sure. At this point, we don't yeah. know enough to know that. So he's kind of like he, he doesn't care about his own life at that point. You know, that's what it seems like. Because he's superheroes always protecting and protecting. Right. So when you get when he gets shot in the face, that's kind of like wow. That, that's gonna suck for the well, rest she of got the away, series. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Makes for a short hero book. Yeah. Whenever uh, old boy just ate it in the face. But to see him just pop up, it's kind of. It, it, it does remind me of the old old style comic books, kind of, right. where the hero dies but he's still alive, but better. Because <laughs> Death of Superman wasn't totally. <laughs> death of Superman killed the death in comic books. That's, that's what that did. That's yeah. It did definitely ruin the suspense of disbelief. I mean, and, I, and I hope we go back to how we got away from being shot in the face, and you know, we we probably will, but I'm, I'm sure. If it winds up being the same guy, yeah. I, I, my vote for it, just the way I see it moving, is that it's it's like Mr. Unknown. You know, uh, you you got the answer, and you got the answer's handler, and the handlers now have to replace the answer because the answer's dead. Right. Um, it's possible that there's a whole legion of them, which would be cool. But timing-wise, it makes more sense to me. There's multiples because we've got him at the bookstore. What seems like at the same time he's at the gas station, because unless she takes forever to do those puzzles. Which is the way they make it look. It's like snap, 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 done. So unless it takes her forever to do the puzzles, which I mean, I guess it's still good because she did the, she because she did them. Then uh, well, it makes it me think they, it could be. You know, they do say there was like sixty-two different <clears throat> puzzle setups. Yeah, good point. But she was snapping them out. So. But yeah, but even at like four or five a minute, she's still. I don't know. Timing-wise, it could be. There's just well, there's just one answer, and yeah, I I think it's more more apt that there's two of them. But as far as the story goes, at this point we don't know enough to know that. And so they should just call them multiple choice instead of the answer. <laughs> That's how you get multiple choice answers. That's right. Stupid. Uh, but it is, it is a good book. No, yeah, it's, it, it is a good book. And like you said, I mean, it it's hopeless and, and, and it, he's good. Like as far as writing is concerned. Uh, and Norton, who's right now, is just awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, they, Three books. Right, there's three of them out there. They're carrying, they're carrying him on it, and he's great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so as far as uh, answer goes, it's awesome mm-hmm. by Dark Horse. Uh, so that leads us to either Legend of Shadow Clan number one or Batman seventeen. You think? Okay. So uh, if you haven't read seventeen yet, you should stop now. But keep in mind that we have issue one of Legend of Shadow Clan in stores. Well, yeah, but if they stop now and they they, they don't listen because they don't want to spoil seventeen for themselves, right. then they automatically miss the Legend of the Shadow Clan talk, which. But yeah, but hopefully the next one. Okay, so let me little blurb for next week's for next. We're trying to do it every two weeks, so a little blurb for next the next episode. In, in theory, well, at this point we do know that in the top of comic shop March eighth we're gonna have. Um, um, Dave Wall, uh, W-O-H-L, he's going to be appearing in store to do a signing for us the second Friday of March, which is the 8th, um, so any of you that bought copies, I've probably told this to already, uh, if you're, re- you're listening to this and you're in another city or whatever, and you can get to Grand Junction, Colorado, uh, in some reasonable form, um, he'll be down here on the 8th to do a signing for us, and we're going to get him to sit in on a, uh, podcast also, so next week, or next episode, I guess, we should have Dave Wall as well to talk about things. 
So if you miss all this one and want to stop now for 17, makes sense. Uh, but just so you know, the next one should have Dave Wall on it, so that should be pretty cool. Not Wall, W-A-L-L, but W-O-H-L, not to confuse him with another one. Or a Dave Wall, which is something totally different. Anyway, so if you watch the videos, it makes sense. If you, if you don't watch the videos and you're not missing anything, it's okay. <sighs> anyway, so moving on, Batman 17. Uh, what do we got to say about the cover on this one, lads? Um, cover is fantastic. We have um, we have the Joker and his strap-on face, and he's out in full. <laughs> he does. It's a strap-on face. <laughs> and he's uh, he's in his full tuxedo, and he's dancing with the bat suit. Bloodied bat suit. The bloodied bat suit, in fact. Um, and it, it does tie in a little bit to what we saw in 16 when we're going through Arkham where he's got the guards dressed as Batmans and Jokers dancing. Um, Super creepy, by the way. It is actually a pretty creepy uh, cover. So, uh, But yeah, this, this was the payoff. This is the end of the Batman Death of the Family storyline. And um, if, you've, if you've gotten to read it, you already know, of course... Quick synopsis is basically we have Bruce in a kind of elaborate death uh, trap where if he moves on the chair, he's going to start the rest of the Bat family on fire. We get the reveal that uh, Alfred has been gassed with this new version of the Joker gas, and he's kind of subservient to the Joker, but we kind of see the effects of it on his face. Um, the Joker is trying to tell the rest of the Bat family that he's taken something from them, and when he opens these elaborate dinner plates, it's each of their faces. Um, so their faces looking at their own faces <clears throat> on the plate in front so of them. the Bat Family's around a table. Right. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I no, didn't the Bat Family's around a table tied up, and they got uh, gauze. gauze and stuff on their face. And, and they have bloody. Bloody. And they have bloody. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> and then they got a dinner the service. Platters. Platters, there you go. Yeah. Got platters all in front of them, so... I definitely thought this was funny too. How they he definitely played Joker very Joker like. Yeah. Like he makes Batman think that whole time those platters and it's gonna have something to do with Alfred. Like mm. it's more than just us thinking that it's Batman too. And then right. he reveals it and you're like ah just kidding. Yeah. Alfred's right here. Right. And, and here's the payoff and Alfred comes up out of the ground I guess. Yeah. And he's in white face and looking like the like a Joker. Mm-hmm. Um. And we have this whole thing where the Joker is trying to kind of prove to Batman in this case that they're the same. And that that Batman wouldn't be who he was without the Joker and, you know, vice versa. And that uh, he should come after him so that he can burn the rest of the Bat family alive, basically. Yeah, he straight up tells him that everybody's been soaked in gasoline. And he's like, yeah, if you get up, you're going to light the flint <coughs> on fire. Because he's got flint tied to the bottom of the stool. Yeah, the way, the way he's trapped, the, the chair he's sitting on has a bunch of flint rocks or flints attached to the bottom of his chair. So if he gets up, moves, does anything, it'll strike and it'll spark the gas. So ultimately, if you come after me, you kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you can just wait till I kill him. It's pretty much this dilemma he's put him in. Yeah. And we all know what Batman's answer is going to be anyway, so. Yeah. Um... He does show remarkable restraint to wait for Joker to, to reveal his whole plans, but um, Batman being Batman, he had a contingency plan for this. <laughs> In this case, there was a water main over where they were at, so he starts the fire, 
deliberately puts out gets out of the chair somehow. Uh, breaks the chair, I assume. Yeah. Right, yeah, it's it's more of a the break chair, the chair to right. escape thing. Between panels. I assume right. it's the fire weakened chair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, we Bad we find out that you know, the first the first one Batman comes to is Damien and he rips the, the gauze off and we find out that Damien's face is there. Now, first you yeah, the fire does start and he straight up looks at the Joker while Joker's like can't Joker can't believe first that he started the fire and then Batman's like, Who do you think knows these caves better than me? And he straight up shoots the ceiling and floods the room to put out the fire. And the Joker's like, that's not funny. And from that point, just takes off, like, running. And at that point, we go to try to see what we can do about the collateral damage. At this point, beat that family, as it were. That's in that panel right there where he says, that's not funny. Where you can tell the progression of the art of his face. His strap-on face. Strap-on face. (laughs) From the very beginning of this, how it's... Decaying and rotting. Right. And the, I mean, it just, it's even more discolored. Uh-huh. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mm. Along with that, we do actually have uh, another little creepy element, which um, they talk about this a few times in the early half of the series, which is a lion that was born with two heads that was supposedly dead. Evidently, the Joker stole that, too. And <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's yep. carried it around with him. Most of this the story, so you have this crazy little two-headed <clears throat> lion cat. It was nuts. It is, it is creepy and looking. That lion cat has the uh, well. It will. Yes, it does have it. Has a uh, what is it? It it he had to put a uh, a little detonator with um, Joker gas in it. In its other head, <clears throat> so it says meow, and then that ignites all the Joker gas out. And the whole Bat family. And, but by this point, Batman's actually uh, basically got most of the Bat group untied, and he's got... Can I, th- I don't know if you're going to go here or not. Let me stop you for a second. Just So after the whole room gets flooded and the Joker takes off, you have this moment that we don't get with any of the other Bat kids, like, ever. Um, I mean, Bruce is taking care of Dick and raising him from a small child. I think the only other one that's really had this kind of compassion from the Dark Knight has been Grayson. But he straight up runs over the, to Damien, he's pulling the band-aids off his face, and Damien's like, how bad is it, Dad? And he's like, you're fine. And he, like, hugs him. And it's, like, it's really weird because we don't ever see that from Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, very, very rarely do we see him show any, any anything at all, like, Compassion. compassion-wise. Yeah, exactly. And... For and Damon's the only one that really gets it. I mean, Dick got it when he was small, when he was a kid. But it's because Bruce identified with Dick so much mm-hmm. that the two of their... I mean, they're basically the same... Same tragedy, almost same cloth, except that Grayson is more optimistic and sees glass half empty... Or no, sorry, sees glass half full, where Bruce sees the glass as needs to be fuller. Mm-hmm. So, the two of them, different points, but the same situation... So, like, Grayson's the only one that really gets that kind of compassion from the Dark Knight. I mean, Barbara never got it, but she didn't really need it. She was old enough when she started that it wasn't the same for her. And then Jason... But she still had her dad. Well, yeah, she still had her dad. And he didn't bring her in. She no, came she in. came on her own. And Jason shows up, and he tries to do the same thing with Jason a little bit, but I don't think that the, the connection was ever really yeah, there. disconnect between the two. Pretty much all the time. Those which butted heads. Exactly. Which I think is the main disconnect between him and Jason in the first place. And then you but it's the forward. same kind of disconnect between him and Damien, too. It's sort of. But not, it's because he's blood. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's different a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Then we got Tim. And Tim Tim never lost his dad originally. Now, granted, in this particular version of the world, we're not entirely sure where the dad thing drops off at. 
if he's still alive or if he's dead or not. So Tim's a different situation, but Tim also bring himself to the plate too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the same way around, and it, Tim's never really needed Bruce to look out for him that way. He, if we believe the same original origin story, Tim came to Bruce because Bruce needed Tim, mm-hmm. not vice versa. So as far as setup is concerned, our now Red Robin, it comes from a totally different place altogether. But I thought it was really cool how we see that from Damien, like the whole connection between him and Damien there. From the start of the whole thing, the way they are now versus the way they were when he gets dropped off by Talia at the cave mm-hmm. is entirely different. Like, I, I think that's really awesome in this particular book. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's great. It's yeah. yeah. And, and, and Damien's showing that compassion back. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is really crazy for yeah. him, too. Another cool thing they did with that part is you kind of see just how well the Joker planned that. Damien actually thinks his face is gone. Like, yeah. like, yeah, they they feel like their face is gone. And and to show that that Batman actually went to Damien first instead of the other, the other right. family there. Mm-hmm. So now once he starts untying people, Dick is his next right got to go to, and it's Dick that he's like, I need to stay with you guys, and Dick's like, No, no, you need to follow him, mm-hmm. and he finally actually accepts that. Like, Dick's at that level that when he says like, You can go. Which he He's wouldn't normally go. No. no, but I think Dick... I think that He like, knows the circumstances of... I think that Dick carries that much weight with him now. Mm-hmm. That yeah. he may not have before. Yeah, not as much of like a psychic type thing anymore. More of just like a partner. Like mm-hmm. Right. And of course, once he leaves, then the next crisis happens, which is the Joker gas. And the Joker gas turns all the rest of the Bat family against each other. Yeah. And they start infighting against that crowd. And, you know, it, it, is, it is interesting to see, like we were saying before, once again, Jason is the one who's left behind without his... He doesn't even get hit any of the face tie-off before they start getting gassed. It's like... I wonder if that has something to do with uh, Batman taking off all there. Right. And then Jason just being the last one, and so he doesn't ever... Right. Like, it's possible. Well, the gas hit right before all that happened, yeah. and he couldn't get to him. But well, it might be timing-wise, because when Bruce leaves, they're still adjusting the, the bandages for the other two still, and even even Nightwing's still taking his off. I think that probably we're going to see that come back in issue 17 of Red Hood and the Outlaws, is what I think. Uh, whatever's going on there, I think we might see that from there. Right. I mean, it might just be the disconnect for the family in general and how he's still viewed on the outside of things mm-hmm. because if, if any one of them they, they deal with Damien and try and teach him and fix him and they did that a lot with Jason too but Jason is just to the point where he, you can't teach him anymore like Jason's just going to do what Jason's going to do mm-hmm. so it's hard to say if it's just disconnect between all of them or if it's uh, if something else and I kind of think I kind of think when we get to number 17 we'll see something to do with that because we in Red Hood and the Outlaws at one point we see when Jason got captured the Joker took his mask, like his helmet, and he painted something on the inside. We haven't seen a return for that yet. So I have a feeling we're going to see that in 17, okay. like what he did to the helmet. Because at this point, Jason has to put the helmet back on, because foreseeably, Joker numbs their faces, bandages them up, gets ready to play the game. So we don't believe he's had the helmet back on since then. Right. So <coughs> I, I have a feeling that we're going to see that pay off in seven, 17 of uh, Red Hood and Outlaws, probably. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Anyway. So we continue on with this, and Batman follows Joker, and Joker's waiting for him outside. And we continue this discussion, and it's, it's kind of the age-old discussion with Batman and Joker, which is, why haven't you killed me? 
if you don't want to play this game, why haven't you killed me? And Batman goes, well, because then you would win, Joker. And then Joker's like, no, no, I don't think it's that. I think Joker's even now realized that basically Batman knows that if he kills the Joker, that he won't be able to stop. Like, he'll become just as big a nightmare There's no better. As, as anybody else. You know, that, that he'll just keep killing, and he'll just keep wiping out the rest of these... But he contemplated it. He does. He contemplates it for a full page, I think. And yeah. Like, I'm going to do something that I've never done before kind of talk. Or it might have been a psycho. Yeah. Which probably worked for the Joker. Because he did turn turn everything mm-hmm. around on him. Played the same game. Oh, yeah. No, he's the victim. It is a little bit different than this. But they do kind of play that out when uh, in the Elseworlds when Batman becomes a vampire. Mm-hmm. And he holds it back for a really, really long time. And then he eventually... Uh, goes after one of the bad guys, and once he goes after one of them, he can't stop himself right. and goes after all of them. Yeah, also it's still a taste for blood. Mm. That has a vampire thing to yeah. it, too. But. Yeah. And, and almost more importantly than the rest of this is that we get to see the bat axe. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. If you take anything away from any of this, the bat axe is in this book. That's bat axe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> and then we cut back to the family, mm-hmm. right? And, and they're still fighting. Yeah. And, you know, they're kind of tearing each other up. And what I think is good about that is that there was so much of this fear that, you know, this could be the end of Alfred. And, you know, that I, I don't know. There's some people who I think that still think the story wasn't strong enough because Alfred was gone, wasn't gone. But he's the one who kind of brings them in together and like kind of helps them overcome the joker gas and somehow like his connection to them as a family is what does it mm-hmm. and then we cut back to the fight scene between batman and the joker and i just noticed that batman hits the joker with a crowbar yep. the joker actually brought it with him i never noticed that he has it up his sleeve and he uh in, in the times where he's trying to still play with Batman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, oh, well, I guess now we're going to have to have our quarrel outside. And Batman's like, no more quarrels. We actually see sort of him drop the, uh, <laughs> we see him drop the, uh, the crowbar okay. out of his sleeve. And he tries to come at uh, Bruce with it. And Bruce disarms him and takes it and brings it back to bear on him. That's all after the bad axe. Yes. 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 All after the <laughs> This is important to understand. Um, basically moving forward from there we want, we want to get back to the family they're pretty much going after each other blood, bloodthirsty joker style and as that's happening you start seeing them trying to fight it and first we get Alfred and, and he's been dealing with it for a while now mm-hmm. and he starts to turn and go back to normal kind of get control of himself and then from there he convinces Dick and, and so on and so forth where they all eventually quit fighting Damien's the next one that played that what, it winds up being the third one that's like, yeah, no, we're, we're fighting it. Mm-hmm. So as far as, like, fighting it off, it, it's the, I don't know, I guess I would say the stronger the group that starts with it. But you move from Alfred to, to, to Grayson to Damien, and then er, then after that, of course, the Barbara and the old Red Hood. There's some that we, that Rob noticed earlier, and I, I'm sure we all saw it, we just didn't think anything of it. The uh, whole uh, who helps Barbara up thing. Oh yeah, at the at the very end of it, once uh, the Joker gas has kind of run its course and the family is kind of recovering, um, we have Alfred and he's got 
Damien kind of in his lap, and he's got Tim by the shoulder, and Dick's kind of in the background, like, slapping him on the shoulder, like, yeah, we did it. And we got Barbara and Jason Todd, and they're holding hands as they kind of bring themselves up around this rock. Does it mean anything? Who knows? It could be. It could be something that they're working on as a later story, or it could just be a convenient part of the story. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it means anything as far as connections concerned. But I don't know if they draw that like that. It is weird placement wise, but yeah. at the same time, I, I don't know. It, it could be really looking at like who's writing it, and yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I guess it's possible, but we saw him hanging out Andrew the Joker with the baby. And we know that this isn't the last story arc for the Joker, but as far as setup is concerned, maybe it pans out something later, but at the same time, it, it's one of those things that, like, it doesn't mean something, does it not. I, I kind of, what I would really like to see is the whole Grayson and, uh, well, Dick and Barbara get back together. That whole thing would be cool. I don't think they're going to do it, because that's classic style. If that's not an option, then I think Barbara and bats, but that's just me. What? Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't. All right. Uh, anyway, back back to the story for a second. So we're not done with the story yet. Yeah, I mean, the the clan climbing out of the pits of hell is one thing. We're still dealing with bats and the Joker on the other side because they're still fighting in the uh, in the cave. Um, in the end, Batman needs to play the Joker's game to beat him, and he does so in taking away the one thing that the Joker has that, that he thinks Batman's never looked into, which is that Batman may know who the Joker really is, and that, that somehow diminishes the Joker in his own eyes. And, um, you know, it's the same game that the Joker was playing, oh, I know who you really are in the mask, I'm going to ruin your lives. Batman kind of turns it back on him. And the Joker, I think, is so afraid of being less than the Joker that it actually causes him to, like, start losing his shit. Um, well, the whole thing was the Joker was perceived as knowing all their identities anyway. Uh -huh. So he had that over them, and now Batman's bringing it back. I know who you are. Yeah. And it causes Joker enough problems that he, uh, he actually physically wants to escape Batman, and he just about falls off this little waterfall. And Bruce stops him because he's like, I don't want you to do it by mistake. I don't want it to be an accident. And in the end... Everything that happens to you is going to be by my hand tonight. In the end, I mean, the Joker still winds up falling down that ravine, and we see his strap-on face get lost. <laughs> um, and so we, we don't know the ultimate fate of, of the Joker, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're in a pulp culture, and so you don't see the body, it's not going to happen. But one of the things that the Joker had been loitering over their head was this little black book. And the little black book was supposed to be something that Bruce had, had made that had all their secrets in it, and it was going to be their big undoing, and that he had given it to the Joker. And it first shows up in, what, Batman 15? Yeah. Batman 15 when he's up on the bridge. And now we finally get it. Batman's going through it, and it's just blank. It's all blank paper. So it was all a ruse to begin with. Yeah, it was all a joke. Yeah. Another another thing I thought was kind of funny, kind of backtracking to the Alfred thing, mm -hmm. is you have Alfred who was like the first one to to help him there. Uh -huh. I kind of feel like that's like reflecting back on on just like all of them in general, because Alfred's usually the one that makes them 
feel like at home mm-hmm. with Batman. It's not. Well, he's he's their doctor. He's their he's mm-hmm. everything to him. He's helped out all of them at one point. And that's why it would have been so crazy if if he died, because mm-hmm. it would have been like the end of all of it. Mm-hmm. He's he's really. You don't think of him as a major character, but Alfred really is. He kind of plays such a big part. Well, given I, I'm glad we didn't have Batman Alfred die. And I, it, the whole set, the only re- main reason for that is like the whole revolving door in comics with death. But for Alfred, there's no way back. Mm-hmm. Like, you kill Superman, yeah, you can come back. He's Superman. You kill Batman, well, he travels through time. Mm-hmm. You kill Alfred, he's just a man. He's not he travels through time too. You would, you would hope so. Caveman Alfred. Was a supporting characters never come back. <laughs> very, very rarely. I mean, well, I guess. Him as a supporting character, more or less. He's, I mean, he's just normal. Yeah. Yeah. He's not bigger than life. He's a normal mm-hmm. dude, just in extraordinary situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we could technically get a uh, time Lincoln out of it, right. except that it'd be time Alfred, which would be pretty awesome. I mean, you could serve Crumpus and Tita, all kinds of. <laughs> that's not. I, that's not going to do well as a book. Yeah, bad idea. Bad idea. That. That's not Sorry, good. Sorry, Bruce Tim. That's not <laughs> you, don't. <laughs> you going straight for the animated movies that don't even exist now. <laughs> so, so then we go to the the wrap up, and it's actually a very un Batmany wrap up. But I think that was great. I think it was needed. Um, Batman's actually waiting on Alfred, and is trying to be like, "Oh, I'll take care of you. Here's this little bell. You can ring it, and I'll come and serve you." And Alfred's kind of like. Hell no. Like, stop this bull. I'm going to hit you with my IV if you keep this stuff up. <laughs> you know, because he's really opposed to being waited on. But Bruce even goes to the point of being like, yeah, Alfred, I'm going to actually bring the family together, and we're going to talk this through, which is something Batman would never do. I mean, Batman's almost always has to be an intervention before he gets together. And usually it's an intervention created in a sneaky way by Alfred. He's like, hey, check it out. I got sandwiches in the Batcave. And then the Bat family's there. And he's, <laughs> Damn, Alfred. I always fall for the sandwiches. But, um, you know, Bruce actually calls it. And um, the neat thing for that is that we also get a little extra story. And Batman was just convinced that Joker could never have known about the cave, who they were, what they were connected to. And we find out that basically early Bruce Wayne went to Arkham Asylum, and he basically calls the Joker out, like, I have your card. And we find that the Joker had no desire to ever find out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. To him, it didn't even happen. And so there was no way that Joker knew, because he didn't care to know. He looked at him, but he didn't see what it said. For him, it, it made the game not as elegant. He wanted Batman. He wanted to face off against Batman. The Joker just never cared. Like I said this a long time ago, the Joker's never cared who's under the mask, ever. Like, for him, the only part that matters is Bruce. If he's fighting anything less than the Batman, then it's less than... It's no different than fighting a regular cop. And for the Joker, like... For the Joker to exist, Batman has to exist. And we see that in Batman stories constantly. I mean, uh, Dark Knight Returns. Um, once Batman retires, Joker just, uh, settles down and goes to Crazy House. You know, like, as far as that issue, without Batman, Joker doesn't exist. And we see that, too, whenever, whenever Bruce is lost in the time stream. Not to go back to that, but there you go. And Grayson takes over as Batman, and Joker knows it. He even shows up in a completely different costume, face shrouded, and helps the two would-be detective, Batman and Robin, solve cases. And eventually, 
Dick realizes that he's knows things he shouldn't know, and eventually outs him as the Joker. And it's one of those pull the mask reveals the Joker, and he's yeah, and away he goes, you know. But as far as setup is concerned, he knew it wasn't the same bat. And with that in mind, if he's not fighting his Batman, there is no Joker. So to care about the man under the mask would be to undo himself, which is I mean, I've said that before. It's one of those things like he doesn't care who's underneath there, as long as it's the same guy that makes him who he is. And without that, there is no Joker. So. Um, favorite part though is still the reveal, or is it still the the, the wrap up here at the end? Batman's called the call to arms. He's he's looking for the Bat family to come, so we can have this talk. And we get Tim, and he texts and is like, "Oh no, I can't make it. Something came up." And then we get Damien, and he's left a note on the door. Oh, I'm trying at the bunker. Don't wait up for me. And then he gets a call from Barbara, and Barbara or a text from Barbara, and Barbara's like, "Oh no, something came up, and I'm busy." And so the only one that hasn't shown up yet. And Jason, of course, doesn't even bother to call because he's Jason Todd. I mean, that's what he does. Uh, the only one who hasn't shown up yet is is Dick. And so uh, Batman answers the phone and is basically like, "Oh, hey, Dick." And Dick's like, "Oh, hey, how's it going, Bruce?" And he's like, "It's all right. You don't have to come." You know, basically, we're not doing this thing. And we kind of pull back to reveal that Dick's actually right out in front of the mansion. It's so, like he was the only one who was going to come. Right. <laughs> like everybody else begged off. But Dick would have been there. But Bruce kind of turns him away because he thinks everybody is, like, kind of dogging him. But, like, right. Dick's the only one that was actually going to be there. So, in a way... Which is how he would have preferred it at one right. time. Yeah. He would have preferred it that way. But now, it's like he's grown some. He, yeah. I think... Do you see a maturation of Bruce Wayne? I, th I think he's... Like he said when he started Batman, Inc., you know, he's finally realized that it's his allies that have helped him become strong can't do it alone yeah well and you know when he was gone I think he really thought when he came back that there would be no Batman and the city would be what it was before and he had to realize that the world kind of stepped up while he was gone and so well it's an evolution of sorts right <clears throat> so then you cut back to the back computer they found a trace radioactive isotope in the, t in the toxin and uh and the Joker gas. Yes. And the Joker gas, yes, sorry. Uh -huh. And uh, you find out that the elemental symbol is H-A, so it's Ha. So, and that's... Joker gets the last laugh, Joker after all. Joker gets the last laugh. And, of course, uh, the other thing that's important that we see here is that Batman kind of convinces the Joker before he falls off mm -hmm. that, that he knows who he is. Mm -hmm. And then he knows his family, and he knows all these things, and he threatens to reveal it. He threatens to reveal it even to the Joker, and that was enough to make the Joker afraid. But we kind of see at the very end, he's looking at the computer, and he still has the Joker labeled as unknown. Mm -hmm. So, does he know? Does he not know? We don't know. You know, if he does know, he didn't commit it to the computer files. So... Maybe the fly knows. Yeah. Because... Mm. What's the significance the of the fly? The fly lands on being... the computer where it says, ha, and nobody knows what that means. Is it a fly on the wall kind of thing? Maybe. I would say so, yeah. My guess is that's like your next big storyline. Something's going to happen. The fly? It's going to have something to do with the fly. You know what it could be, actually? The mask, the face, the strap-on face, it could be in the cave. Because oh, I mean, it's, go. it's gotten pretty rancid. It had some flies coming around it, too. So, I mean, the mask could be in the cave now. Well, I have a feeling that the, it's, it's there. I mean, as far as it falls off the waterfall into the water, and they're already in the cave system. Yeah. And it, it's Batman's caves. I mean, he says that when he, when he tells him, who knows these caves better than me? Mm -hmm. 
So we already know that they're in the cave. They're just in a, a different section of the cave. So as far as that goes, for all we know, the Joker's still down there in the water and just doing whatever he's doing. I mean, yeah, it could lead to something with the 900 or whatever the next reveal for the Batman's going to be. But I think it's more like a, to be on a fly on the wall. So I, I would say it's symbolism. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's quite possible at least to another story arc. I mean, I don't necessarily know how the fly would fit into that other than maybe the... Maybe just to show you the mask, their face is still there, and it's just stinking the place up, but you think you smell that. I mean, come on. Well, eventually. Eventually, right, yeah. Well, well, that gives you kind of the timeline of the story, too. Well, the right. Because flies don't live, but... Yeah, eventually. Yeah, point. You've got the cat, the dog, the cow. cow might not, but maybe the cat or the dog. <laughs> I, was, I was actually really surprised about this. They actually do put a little bit of the timeline on this story, because we know that the beginning issue for Detective, he gets the face off, and by the time we get to this story, we're talking about not seeing the Joker for a year. Mm -hmm. So, kind of a dangerous place to go, because we know that time works differently in comics, and that some people cannot grasp that. You know, and I, I don't care who you are, you don't want to see a 40-year-old Batman. Nobody wants to see Bruce Wayne in Depends. Well, it'll work pretty well for him, and even... Well, older and preferred, <laughs> I guess. But. Or even this is true, but that's that's good for like a one shot or you know whatever. But but we don't want to see that. We don't want to really have an active timeline. We want to keep our heroes the way that they are. So I mean, it's a little dangerous for them to do that, but you know whatever. It's, well, it's considering good. all everything they stirred up at the start of the fifty-two, the new fifty-two. Mm -hmm. huh. mm -hmm. Well, Batman's been Bruce Wayne for seventy years, so <laughs> right. You know. I don't see any reason to change it now. <laughs> Somebody gonna fight me on that? Damn it! Okay. <laughs> no. It's gonna be Doc Ock. Telling you, could be. Maybe we'll do this Freaky Friday thing with the Joker and Batman, and could you imagine then the two of them will be in. It, they'll be the, in. They'll be in each other's bodies and stuff. That's actually a pretty good story. Sorry. If it was Batman, yeah, but the Superior Spider-Man is actually good. I was talking crap for no reason. It's <laughs> the wrong company. <laughs> gotta quit picking on that guy, man. It I'm makes us makes us seem like the villains. <sighs> so he's been picked on as much as Aquaman's been picked on, so he can be thankful for that. <laughs> that's a good point. So that leads us to Legends of Shadow Clan, and uh, it's uh, okay. So first issue, that's all that's come out so far, and like I've said, it's very much set up. Like it's, granted, it, it's from nowhere, so we don't have, I don't know, leading to Batman into that, it's a little hard, because Batman's just so epic right now, it's like, yeah. it's just so big, it's hard to have anything next to it. Well, that's true, yeah. So, uh, very much set up, I mean, we deal with, uh, basically we got a modern age family that is connected to ancient feudal Japan. We're not sure if they're aware of it yet or not, I kind of don't think they are. But it's clear to us that they have abilities that they probably shouldn't have just normally. And they talk about that a little bit. Something I noticed in the very first page when they're going over the Noganaga stuff and talking about all, all the all the feudal battle and eras after era of feudal battle, the guy that, that's in front of, that we're looking at the whole time that's going on is standing in front of a, a window that leads out to the city. Mm -hmm. and I, I don't think, I don't know if I realized that the first time I read it or not. The second time I was reading it, I'm like, well, well, that guy's standing in front of the city, not like feudal Japan or something. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder, like, how he's connected to things or who he's supposed to be. But uh, first issue, we meet uh, brother-sister, um, brother combo, 
and their parents. And uh, as far as like Seb's concerned, I mean, the story is pretty good. I mean, we see the, the the older brother; he's got some crazy parkour ability. Um, we see the dad's got some. If he doesn't have martial arts training of some kind, he just has it naturally. Because he doesn't know. Because I don't think I don't think they realize they have the powers, mm-hmm. or they have the abilities, as it were. Um, but as far as issues are concerned, I think by the time number two comes out, we'll have a better idea of like how things are going to ro- roll. Um, I think number two will probably pop off more. This one, the action's mostly at the end, and the beginning and middle is very much set up and just show us weird quirks about the characters. Um, but I think by the time we get to number two, it'll probably pop off there. It does flesh them out well, though. It does, yeah. It explains them very well. I mean, almost TV show-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like an episode of a show, I could see that being this very much. Mm-hmm. But as far as setup is concerned, I liked it. I don't know if any of the rest of you got a chance to read it yet or not. Yeah. No, I, I did. Thanks. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I think it's going to be real neat to see where this is all going. Hopefully there's... I, I liked the connection to the past, and so hopefully we'll see more of that as we go. But um, lots of little cool little side things that I just loved about the story. Um, like, for instance, when they introduced the little brother, he's sitting there and he's just, like, playing away on his game. But what I notice is that he's actually chewing on the uh, the drawstring of his hoodie. And it's just, like, that's just something that's so totally normal. I thought it was awesome that we put it into the book, you know, right. like a little extra character quality to him. Um, but I like a lot of the way it looks. Um, well, Corey Smith's the one doing the art. And, well, Corey, from what I understand, is a little newer. Um, we know he did Broken Pieces, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, art-wise, it was great. Uh, but other than that, I don't really recognize his name from anything else. I, I guess I haven't done enough research on him to know what else he's worked on, if, if indeed he has. But as far as art layout and stuff goes, it looks good. It's a good-looking book, you know. But as far as storytelling, I mean, we know David, co-creator of Witchblade and Darkness, um, worked with Michael Turner for a long time before Mike passed. Uh, fantastic. As far as the dude's had his hands in so many things, it's really kind of amazing. Like, worked for John Woo when he was running the video game company and done stuff with Clyde Barker. So, like, guys, he's a pretty... Uh, he's I don't, been there at Top Cow. Yeah, from the from the game from get go at Top Cow, he was actually co CEO of Top Cow for a lot of years, and I guess from what from what I what I've learned about him lately, um, he started out in the biz interning at Marvel as from high school I guess, and then from there into editing there, and he did that for a while. So the guy's had his hands in a bunch of stuff. So as far as that, I mean, the dude's been around the block as far as just any kind of creation is concerned. He also helped produce the Witchblade TV show, the TNT one. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Granted, it's still his, well, his main girl, I guess, the whole Witchblade. But, I don't know, setup for this is pretty cool. It's a five-part, so it's not, like, super long. Interesting to see where it goes. But, I uh, suppose if anybody had any questions, they could come to Top 5 Comics on March 8th and ask David themselves. That's a very good point, considering he's going to be here the 8th. Uh, Everybody loved it. Well, segue. <laughs> 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 that's true, yeah. And it'll be a real neat opportunity because it's the it's the first thing that we've ever had here. So it's pretty it's pretty much the first like creator like actual working man in the business come down to do anything as far as uh, appearance. Well, yeah, true. Yeah, he's he's done a whole lot. I mean, but as far as the industry is concerned, we never really had anybody come through here to do anything like this before. Like at any of the stores I've been here, so I'm pretty pretty stoked about that. So it'll be interesting to get to talk to him a little bit and maybe maybe bounce some questions off him. Um, if you guys have any questions you'd like us to try to ask during our podcast, you're not going to get down to the store, you can email those to us, uh, provided they're within reason, and 
I can't answer it myself. Uh, just uh, email at top5comics um, at hotmail.com. That's top, T-O-P, 5, the number 5, and then comics at hotmail.com. And uh, we'll see if we can build like a list of questions maybe to ask him. And it's going to be two weeks, so... Uh, but yeah, he'll be down here. We I assume around 2:30. I'm supposed. I believe his flight gets in at two, and then uh, he'll be hanging out the rest of the day and signing books and whatnot for the masses. Uh, so, uh, in closing, let's go with uh, book to watch. And do you really believe the Batman knows whether or not the, who the Joker actually is, Rob? Uh, I don't think so. I think he just totally pulled that out, used his own play against him. I don't think he has any idea who he is. I don't know if we'll ever know. Who he is. And book to look forward to, or book that you've recently read that we didn't talk about today that was good. Oh, jeez. I'll put on the spot there. Green Arrow 17. Uh, you know, I like Green Arrow, but I don't know if I go Green Arrow. Shoot. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I can't do it loud enough. <laughs> God, I've, I've... We'll come back to you in a second, Mike. Yes, please. Um, Uncanny X Men number one. Good call. Pretty good. You think the Batman knows Joker's identity? No, absolutely not, and he doesn't want to know. All right, Kurt. I don't think he knows, and I don't think he wants to know, like they like they've said. And book to look out for probably, or to read past present, Witch Doctor. Oh, that's a, that's good stuff. Um, and buy the trade for Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. I got the second that. <laughs> and he's not Green Lantern. No, but it's still but it's great. It's, it's still great. Yeah. Alberto Ponticelli does the art. It fits for mm-hmm. for that book. Mm-hmm. If anybody was going to draw him, it would have been him. Oh. Ross, you know, I would definitely, as much as I want to disagree with everyone and do a different one, I'd say that Joker. I mean, Batman has no idea who the Joker is and mm-hmm. doesn't want to know. I don't think the Joker knows who the Joker is. <laughs> he might not at this point, he's probably lost it. As much as normally, I tell people to read Aquaman. I think they probably know that from the last one. Uh, you can check out Justice League when it's coming out, but I think probably the other book that I really like, that uh, probably second favorite character would be Damien. So checking out uh, Batman and Robin, kind of cool side stories to what's going on and the rest of the Batman stuff. And, you know, kind of just like fun adventures with Damien. Yeah, there's more focus on Damien in those books, mm-hmm. especially that Batman Inc. It's been pretty. The last annual mm-hmm. with Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. It was just a awesome story. That was good. I really liked it. Cool thing to go along with that is Pat Gleason's guy doing the art, and Pat Gleason's is basically a store friend. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He, he doesn't a, know that, but he is. Well, <laughs> but I mean, we we ate his sandwich that day. Yeah. So I mean, it, which he's is a, true. He's an awesome dude. He's yeah, he, yeah, he is. And he fulfills his his uh, uh, commission obligations. Yeah. It only took two years. It was worth it. Well, that's between friends. It's okay. How good that looks. It does. It looks fantastic back there. I gotta get the other one hung up. Yeah, you do. The, the Kilowog one would be. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Seriously, we really did have his chips and I think the only thing we didn't eat that was his that day was the, was the little side dish of uh, noodles. noodles. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Right. Uh, for whatever <laughs> reason, man likes his pasta. Um, you know, I I will go against the, the whole grain. I think he does know. I, I think that. The fact that they took the time to show he went to the cell, I'm going to say he does. As far as not committing it to the back computer... That's because maybe the Joker knows how to get into the computer because... I, I, don't, the I don't necessarily think that. I, I don't think the Joker's ever gone as far to the cave as he has here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... 
I find it hard to believe that he's not that he's not a smart villain, but the amount of encryption that's got to be on this stupid thing just to start it. I mean, maybe it's possible that Bass never believes anybody will get there, and it's real easy just to push a button and away you go. But at the same time, what are you going to find out in there? You're going to find out criminal things. The Joker can find that out himself anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as that, you want to know who's running what crime boss, or you want to know who killed who? Uh, yeah, the Joker can find that anyway. He's part of the underworld. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to be sure about it because I, I, I think in the story, Bat just flipped it on him and basically turned his own joke against him. But at the same time, I, if you went to the trouble to go down there and basically show your face without knowing what he would do, without having any clue how he'd respond, I have to say that he maybe maybe he does. Um, there, there is a little snafu there. That was back at the very beginning. Yeah. That was before he took in Dick, so it's not like he did that afterwards. No. This isn't the Joker being captured now. The, the end flashback is definitely a memory flashback. Uh-huh. And they're talking about prior to Grace enjoying it. Or it was right after they had, had taken in Dick. Mm-hmm. So he... that Not the right way to say that. Right after Grayson had joined the group, or become, become part of this, became Robin. Um, man. So right after he became Robin, he's when he went to the prison and when he showed him the card. But with that level of brazenness, because it's basically looking the devil in the face. And it, granted, at that point, Bats didn't know Joker would ever escape. But for all he knew, he would never reform. And at some point trick the system to get out or maybe he would reform and then go bad it, it, I just think it's too much to believe that Bruce would be so brazen to go down there without any clue of who he's actually dealing with it's just too much for me to think that he would do that yeah, I don't know I, I, I still don't think so and, and I could be wrong I mean as far as that goes like you know I've been wrong before yeah. so I mean I would say I, I'll say that he has, if he doesn't know he has an idea but as far as readership goes, we're never going to know. And if they do let us know, Wolverine, or, or Wolverine origin style, then they made a major mistake. And I don't just mean the movie. I mean, the movie's bad. Mm. Don't, don't get me wrong, the movie's bad. But the book series is also bad. James Howell's the Joker. <sighs> James Howell's the Joker. <laughs> Sabretooth's his brother. Wait, that's the movie? Damn it. Uh, <coughs> Somebody's got to play. <laughs> God ridiculous uh other books to look for i mean i would give you legend of shadow clan of course but i'm kind of biased probably a little bit um we do have our own top five comics exclusive cover uh limited edition so uh only place you can get it is through top five comics so that's that's a bonus uh, or the web well that's our website though so you can get it on the website if you want um however if you just come to the store it's cheaper because uh, you don't have to ship to you and whatnot uh, anyway, uh, but as far as like other books to watch were read-wise, uh, you know, I'm going to go with all, all New X-Men. I mean, it's just so good. Like, I, It's not new by any means. Uh, we're at issue 7 coming out in, like, I think next week, maybe. But uh, it's it's really, really good. Like, huh. Yeah. So the, uh, as far as setup for it, like, granted, like I said, we're, we're issue 6. Um, concept really bizarre, but it's really, really good. Like the whole, we're dealing with time travel and time travel makes the brain hurty sometimes. But as far as setup, I mean, you basically have Beast decide to bring the first class forward and they get to see how things are unfolding right now and it's crazy as all hell. And it, it's awesome. Like art's top notch in it. Um, things that are happening aren't, they don't feel like filler ever. 
Like, every issue gets done. It, granted, it's coming out twice a month, which it kind of burns me a little bit, personally, and just in general. Um, but as far as setup is concerned, like, every book's been good. It doesn't feel... I don't know when they started doing it, but the guys are working on it. Fantastic. Rup? Um, actually, I, I couldn't narrow it down to one, so I'm going to do three. <laughs> um, one's going to be from Dynamite Studios, which is Deathmatch which is actually a phenomenal, phenomenal book. I know that the... Is it, is it Boom? Mm-hmm. I forgot to say it wrong. I'm sorry. But um, Deathmatch is a phenomenal series. I know this title sounds stupid, but this, the, the whole storyline for it is incredible. We're at the second issue right now. Knocking it out of the park. Um, next one to look forward to is going to be both Guardians of the Galaxy and Nova, and they're going to be incredible. Guardians of the Galaxy is primed to be huge anyways, but Nova's going to have uh, Jeff Loeb and, and McGinnis doing it, and it looks incredible. So, like, hopefully Nova will rise up from obscurity and be gigantic. Um, and then when we go over to the uh, to the whole X-Men front, I've, I've actually really loved X-Men Legacy, and I'm sorry that's not getting a good play, because it's actually been a fantastic read. So hopefully people will give it a shot, actually. It's been tremendous, so... Cool. Sounds good. Um, we don't totally know as of yet with the... Uh, so, with side note for Guardians of the Galaxy real quick. Okay. Um, they are going to be putting out a set of trading cards. Um, five different cards, one for each of the different characters for Guardians of the Galaxy. And we're expected to have some of them during the launch date for them. Uh, we haven't figured out how many we're going to get yet because it's one of those things that you have to buy a certain amount of books in order to hit a number, and you hit the number, and then they send you more, you can buy more crap, and then you buy more crap, and you can do whatever you want with it. Um, so at this point, if we want to buy them, probably what we'll do is buy buy two copies, and we'll give you a couple free cards to go with it. But set of five, um, kind of a fun thing, I don't know. Uh, we're expecting to hopefully have lithographs to go with them too. Lithographs are all the same problem. that You've got to buy a certain number, and then once you buy a certain number, you got to buy those, and it's just a whole game mess with the whole marble thing. Anyway, um, this is just the way the system works. You know, it is what it is. But we're trying to do what we can to make things be fun and cool. Uh, anyway, again, just so people remember, uh, Legend of Shadow Clan, uh, David Wall, will have here on uh, March 8th. And uh, that should be a fun time. I mean, like I said, it's not often you get a guy who's been doing work in the business for like, I don't know, 20 years to be able to come out and have a book signed by him. And, and I'll give you, like I said, it's a brand new series. But if it does well, I mean, the dude's turned other, sh- other books into TV shows, so... You never know. You might want to get on the boat before the boat sails. Is that a saying? It is now. That's what I, that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so like I said, do we have any parting words for anybody? Ross? See ya. Mike? Uh, late. Rob? <laughs> also, check out The Flash. It's fantastic. Goddamn, get too many pics, Rob. Oh, ah. Don't forget Hawkeye. Hawkeye, oh, is, Hawkeye is actually fantastic, yeah. Uncanny X-Force 2. Yes. <laughs> it's got Puck in it. It's like 20 books to read. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it is <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and goodbye. <laughs> We're done. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>